I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're gay. And his NB. Episode number 73. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of A Gay and His NB. We are so excited to talk to you about all the things that we have been watching this week. Um, But before we get into any of that, as we always do, we have a few housekeeping notes to get out of the way first. The first being that wherever you are currently listening to us, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, across the podcast platforms, if you can go leave us a rating and a review because it's so helpful to us uh, in a multitude of different ways, not just the fact that it gets us the necessary feedback that we need to make a better show for you guys, but also it helps us get into the algorithm and get seen by more and more people. So you are doing us such a service whenever you leave that rating and a review. Uh, you can also follow us on social media, all out of gay and it's NB. Uh, that's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and threads where we're posting new content every day, including clips from the podcast, as well as a variety of different uh, thoughts that we have sort of initial thoughts of stuff that we're watching before we get onto the podcast to say it to all of you. Uh, if you want to get that early sort of sneak peek into what we're thinking, uh, that's a great place to go check us out on our social medias. Like I mentioned at a gay and his NB, uh, you can also get merchandise from us over at a gay is where we have a variety of different designs that you can get on items like shirts and mugs and stickers and just about anything in between. They're really cool designs. And if you want to rep us and support us in a, in a, different way than normal uh you can do that over at a gay and his and finally uh if you have any questions for us that you would like for us to answer on a future episode of the podcast be sure to submit them across our social media platforms or uh by email at a gay and at gmail.com um include your name and your question and we may answer it on a future episode of the podcast babe what do we have in store this special episode of a gay and his mb well we definitely do have a special episode this this dead week of the year. I know, like five of the like, five or six of the shows were just like, yeah, we're not going to air this week. I get why. Like, like we had Christmas this past weekend. Like, this is the week between you know Christmas and New Year's. Nobody's airing shit except randomly. Miami came on this week. Yeah, apparently they're like, yeah, we'll put Miami on. Beverly because- Hills didn't come on, which airs the same night. But we got Miami. Sure. Okay. Cool. I'm, I'm not going to complain. I mean, Look, I'm not mad. It was a good episode. So we'll definitely be talking about that uh, towards the end of the episode. We're also going to talk about uh, the finale of House of Villains. Uh, we finally uh, get the crowning of the, uh, I don't know what the title was. <laughs> the King House, I guess the uh, be, 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 best villain out of villainry. Reality's uh, greatest supervillain, something like that. Whoever Joel McHale thought was cool enough. Basically. <laughs> um, we're also going to be talking about Ultimate Girls Trip. Um, this past week was, you know, I mean, firing on all cylinders like they have been. So, uh, we'll definitely be talking about that. Um, but before we get to any of that stuff, let's go to the movies. <laughs> let's go to the movie. Do you remember Annie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Weird segue. Look, we we had different versions of Annie growing up. You grew up with... I grew up with the Carol Burnett version. The Carol Burnett version. I grew up with the one that had... um, uh, Victor Gerber, Victor Garber, I think Garber, I think, as as Daddy Warbucks. Um, And had... Who else was in that version? It was the 90s version. Right. So you had, like, the 80s version. I had the 90s version. I mean, very different shows. But, yeah... (laughs) 
Anyways, so yeah, we we watched a lot of uh, movies this week. Uh, mainly, Kathy Bates was the oh right right, yeah, right. It, I, that was you showed fabulous. That, you showed it to me actually, and I I like it, but it's different. It also doesn't have the entire like weird different tone ending to the movie that right. your version has sure. like there's no climbing up a random crane which is i would say one of the most dramatic yeah. sort of like action. but why is it in this movie sure i i, I got terrified when it I was, was a different movie this was switched from annie from little orphan annie to die hard and listen when i was like six or seven and was watching that i was genuinely terrified by that scene it was so it was effective it, it did not fit in this movie. Anyway, those are not movies we're reviewing this week. <laughs> sure. No, so because, well, I will say this, like, because it's the holiday season, I, I I feel like my instinct is, like, whenever we're sort of, like, not knowing what to do for, like, holidays and, like, sort of, like, you know, I, because you, the instinct you have is just to do something, even right. when you're just sort of, like, mine's like, let's put on a movie, even Christmas movie or not, sort of, like, you know, that's my instinct. Um, But before any of that, we, get, we watched some Christmassy stuff, but before... We made. I know this is kind of a delayed review, but we did uh, end up watching Barbie. Only it was because, only a year late. <laughs> only a year late. Has it been a year? No, it, it hasn't been. No, it, it came out in the summer. I think still it's a long, at least half a year. Yeah, but like only because it was on HBO Max, right? And because we are too lazy to actually get off of our ass and go to the theater. Um, but like, yeah. yeah. So, um, we. I will say this, like, as someone, I, I knew enough that, about, like, the tone of the movie, sort of, like, you know, that way it, was, it wasn't that big of a shock to me, because obviously it's been dissected and sort of, like, discussed right. um, throughout the process. Um, I, w- I will say I liked it a lot. <laughs> I <laughs> That's very convincing. Sure. It definitely, ma- it, it, it was baffling in points only in terms of like tone in certain ways, especially that ending, which I was like sort of recollecting like sort of my existence as a human being at the end of the day, <laughs> just like, Oh my God. Well, like, it, the, the funny thing is, is that it presents itself as kind of a shallow movie. Right. And you, you really have to sit and like, dissect it really to understand like the depths and the breadth of what they're talking about. And they, they switch so quickly between metaphor and like actual plot driving. Like, and so it's like some stuff is metaphor and then some stuff is just there for the plot. I think there's a lot of metaphor in maybe a little more metaphor than that, but like, yeah, I there were there was a lot I liked from it. Obviously, like the tone the tone of the message I approve of in terms of like what because obviously there was that I I'm so glad like watching this now and skipping that whole political sort of like debate oh, that yeah. happened from the movie, which was naturally going to happen with that kind of you know theme and and message. But like I, I thought like it was really good in certain realms, and it was good at sort of like laying out like what the actual real world is like sort of being sort of telling the audience like you know that the world is like this this and this for women because it's very much like has that feminist perspective and it's like yeah that's absolutely correct like you know you know these are like when america ferrara does that big monologue to right um uh what's her name not bar not sim what's uh Normal, not normal Barbie, but like what's weird does, Barbie? No, no, no. Um, uh, stereotypical, Barbie. stereotypical. I couldn't think of the word for some reason, but like 
she gives that monologue to stereotypical Barbie, Barbie about sort of the misnomers of being a woman and sort of like mm-hmm. how it's, you know, there's a hypocrisy in everything that is being placed upon them. And it's like, yeah, like I agree with all of that. I, I just was sort of confused as to like what the end message was of like how you fix it. I don't think that they were necessarily going for that. I think so. Because <sighs> to me, it all almost seems like there's no fixing it and that's the message. No, I think it's more saying that the first step to fixing it is a wide acknowledgement of the problem. Sure. And I still feel like we don't fully, as society, fully acknowledge the issue. That's probably true. Like, I feel like... in. In the bubbles that we live in, we may. That's why I probably couldn't figure it out. Only in the sense of like, yeah, I do think it's acknowledged. Like a lot of people yeah. know this, but I would say most. You're right. There are definitely it, not widespread acknowledgement of these sort of disparities and stuff like that. Which is it's interesting because when they they talk about so like Barbie Land is meant to be like this role reversal where you have a gender-swapped patriarchy, which is different than a matriarchy. A matriarchy is more community-based in reality. But when we are talking about this fictionalized implementation of a matriarchal society, it looks a lot like uh, the patriarchy. Right. And I kind of feel like that that's kind of... The reason that that didn't sit with me until I made this uh, realization was that, okay, well, what are they trying to say? But like, it it didn't really jive because I'm like, well, why are they getting that version of matriarchy? But it's because, and I don't think everybody realizes this, Mattel is run by Ken's. Right. So here's the, but here's the thing, like until you pieced it together at the end for me, which I don't think, but the movie, cause the movie doesn't expressly say this. So it's like, you kind of, there's a lot of stuff in the air, but once you like laid out to me, the thing of like, view it from the perspective of that, the Mattel executives, the lead one being Will Ferrell, um, and all of them are actually can't reform Kent from the Barbie world. Right. Cause that's my, it, it clued me in the moment they do the whole sort of chasing Barbie around the offices. Scene. Right. And they, they were running and acting like Ken's like they were well, running, like they were in the, that was the other confusing part is that like everyone in the Barbie or in the Mattel headquarters acts and operates like they're in the Barbie world. Right. Even though there's, we see like real world scenarios where most people in the real world would act like a real world person right in certain ways like so that was the thing that i was like wait are they from this world and and is there like but when you put it in the way that you did about like you know this was part of their crafting and so of so of how things operated it made more sense in that regard right it's a it's a fictionalized version of the matriarchy that was literally conceived of and controlled by men yeah ken's like they they swapped and created this fake thing where men were subjugated and that's literally not the way it would be in a in a matriarchal society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matriarchal societies as we see from history are based in community, are based in equality and like the celebration of femininity. Yes, absolutely. But really and truly it's the celebration of you know, both ends of the gender spectrum. It's, right. you know, like 
the divine masculine and the divine feminine. It's not one or the other. And that's what gets missed in like this male perception of what a feminist society looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like that was, I would say not my critique of the movie, but sort of like my big, like open-ended question of the movie is that, and I think, I feel like I saw some people talking about this when it came out was also Ken's story, like, Mm -hmm. like the main Ken story and sort of like, what is and not to be like what about the men because that's that's the that's the conundrum it's like the instinct is you're like but what is you know how do how do things work for the men right like how mm-hmm. do how do men become better or become you know like successful in this world and the fact that that's my instinct in my mind is also like oh god but like there it was kind of unclear as to like what the goal of ken's in the in the barbie land like what what the what the end message is for them i understand with like the main ken like his ability to love himself or sort of find himself and be something see himself as kenuff kenuff which i thought was a I, the, the sweatshirt was a funny joke uh, i i mean i think i mean it was very much like you know no, you know on the nose of things like the part where it's, it's, you know, his instinct when he has to like keep finding himself or, you know, you know, feel more love about himself is to like grab Barbie or try to make out with Barbie forcefully. And it's like, well, you're clear. Like there's so much that you're saying with that. Well, instinct. And, well, and it, it's, it, it ties back to how men have created things in, in society. Right. Yeah. We, we have literally crafted this society where, Men are the most important, and yet we find our importance in our Through relation women. to women, and yet we subjugate women. I thought that was an important part to sort because I think a lot of people can, even the ones that sort of acknowledge the idea that like men are, have created a society where they rule and sort of you know etc. Don't really connect the, the item of like like you said that women are are crucial in that sense to men feeling important. Like, right. Well, and and it it ties back to all of toxic masculinity, and we see this in the film. All of the toxic masculinity that happens with the Kins is rooted in, um, in not feeling like they are adequate, right? And comparing themselves to other Kins, and and we see the difference, right, between the Kins. And Allens. Allens don't have any real need to be validified by Barbie. Right. You know, they just are. They they are liberated men. They are, are men who are not in this toxic masculinity space where all the kins are. Where they do not have their own sense of self. Where they are constantly competing with one another to be the best, right? And it's like, well, why Why do we have that? And why is that also present in our society? And that's because of toxic masculinity. Yeah. I think also I, I, the the confusing point also, though, for me was sort of like when they – so they have the scene where they sort of are trying – because Ken basically brings toxic masculinity – or not toxic – patriarchy from the real world into the Barbie world and then – screws it up basically and so they're having to figure out a way to sort of undo that and the way and i was just confused as to what the message was in terms of like well partly of the message was of like how we overcome the patriarchal sort of takeover which was i understand
understand the part of like we're going to tell these women sort of like the basically give them the America Ferrera speech and then they wake up and realize, oh, no, I don't want to be like a sexy nurse that like serves men and just like, you know, you know, sort of like, you know, does everything to their whim. I can be my own person or whatever. My question was like also the there's the part where like they then turn the men against each other sort of like with like the the, the jealousy aspect to where they're then engaged in essentially war or whatever mm-hmm. and i was like that i'm i'm confused and see that because it was all about sort of like acting they make the point to say like you have to act like you know a damsel in order to then sort of like lull them and and trick them and so to speak like with the, like the part with the um uh are you watching the godfather as she distracts uh Issa right. Rae distracts them to like and like that i found slightly confusing like you have to i guess if it's saying like you have to play into the system i think that that's more plot than anything that's i think i think it also what you just said about playing into the system is something that women have had to do for a long time sure. to get any sort of of um purchase right to gain any foothold right and it's not even just women but like black people queer people there's this respectability politics right where we have to become palatable to cishet white men yeah and we we have to then you know play into the expectations because if we step outside of that then we are not we're not acceptable and so i think part of that was just plot moving right. but i think you just nailed it i think that it was also a nod to the starts of liberation has has always been in the survival, right? Sometimes you have to survive until you have the power to rise up. Sure. And I think that's what that was maybe illustrating in a very, very short crunch amount of time. But like, perhaps. Yeah. I also found it very interesting that in the fictional version of the matriarchy, Subjugated men were still treated better than women are in our society. Yeah. I also found it very interesting that the second that they brought patriarchy to um, Barbie land, it turned cruel. Because it was never cruel the way that the Barbies were treating the kids. Well, it's like, I I think most people that, and that was confusing to me to a certain regard, but like, that's when you made that distinction earlier about the difference between like patriarchy and matriarchy and how there are different elements. It's not necessarily just an inverse. Right. Like, yeah, that, but also like at the end scene where they're basically like, they, they get Barbie land back and are essentially like, you know, oh, we'll give you, you know, and they at the men ask for like a Supreme Court nominee, and they're and they're like, and eh, let's start you with like some lower court stuff, and I'm like, okay, but like, what's the message there? I don't the, know. I don't think there was a message there. I think that was a joke. I think it was satire based on real world. Okay, right in that. Oh, you've started gaining some purchase and power. Well, we'll give you a drop, I guess. Sure. It, 
again, I think maybe nodding towards the fact that at the end of the day, Barbie land is still controlled by Ken's and you know what I mean? Even though it looks like the Barbies are in, in control, it's still controlled by Mattel. Right. It's still created and puppet mastered by Mattel, which is all Ken's. Yeah. So, I mean, there's still going to be that element of subjugation. And then there's that, I mean, God, that also that fucking end scene where they're in the, when Barbie's in the fucking void with like Rhea Perlman or like, and it's essentially like, again, I, I hate those scenes in movies. I'm the very much the person, I don't know if anyone else does like this, where it's like when it comes, becomes something that's like very existential in terms of message and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I zone the fuck out and get very like, sort of like in my own head about sort of like life and like what that means. So the, that whole scene was like too much for me in many regards, but like, I, I guess it was more le- about like the, the concept of like being the perfect woman or whatever that you don't have to sort of like, you, you can just be human and not be, you know, right. Well, I think it's also, which is important, but I just, I was like, that was a tough way to fucking like deliver that message. Yeah. I do I do think that it was a little convoluted, but I do think that if there is going to be any message of transcending being this Barbie doll, this this stereotype, this um you know, fitting into this mold, right? right it has to come through moving from being a doll to being human. Mm. And that kind of in when you are telling this kind of story there has to be some kind of weird existential void scene yeah there's kind of no way around it that's what it is yeah it yeah it's it's a lot it's definitely a very heady movie that you have to be prepared for in that regard like mm-hmm. if you it's it's has light moments there was a lot of sort of like especially since we watched it like so many months after being like oh i know that meme oh right. oh that lizzo song in the intro is like from tiktoks i saw oh, yeah like it's you know it's th- those moments were nice and it's not completely sort of like drowned out by this like sort of like message but like it's definitely a very heavy message also in many regards and like be yeah. prepared for that i would yeah. say i will say um we we happen to love uh movie bitches on youtube yeah, if you if you don't know them look them up they're amazing uh, they do like drag race reviews. They do movie reviews, all sorts of things. Uh, go check them out. But um, they they did a review of this, and I think that they missed a couple things um, in terms of like the script. Why is the script so like um, expositiony? Sure, I I think, but that's because that's how dolls talk. Right, right, right. When you I... play with them. How do you, what voice do you give them? Right. You give them a, a expositional kind of voice because you are giving them the ability to describe their surroundings. The one thing I will agree with them on is sort of like the connection of like the, the I guess you could say the sci-fi element of this, which was just like that why the Barbie land existed in terms of like, they, they mentioned about like the connection between, cause the, the America Ferrer's character, who's an yes. adult who now works at Mattel, her mind, I, I, I guess I can't, you know, is like connected to stereotypical mm-hmm. Barbie because that's who she played with as a child. And so sort of like, but it didn't really sort of like, 
we would see things manifest like when she would make the like the reason why she would have the moments where she would just like and one thing about death is because she would make the she had those drawings and so it manifested into what right. stereotypical Barbie was doing in Barbie Land. But I don't know if we but but we didn't see much of that beyond stereotypical Barbie. We didn't right. see like who's playing with Ken, who's playing with like you Well know, and see, that was very interesting, I thought. Like I wasn't sure if the message was nobody plays with Barbies anymore, and that's why all the Barbies and Kens have kind of but is that reverted true? back to their stereotypes. I feel like it. Are they really a th- like a lot of maybe times? Like, maybe not physical toys. You could say I would say right. Barbie's brand is still definitely right. Barbie's brand is still a thing, but like I think a lot of people maybe collect Barbies and they stay in their boxes and they sit on shelves. Cough, <laughs> cough, Trixie Mattel. Um, but you know what I mean, yeah. like. A lot of people don't pull them out and play with them anymore. And so they're not getting that active connection and, like, connection with a human. Right. And that's why when America Ferreira's character picked it up and played with it, it immediately connected. And because she's an adult, it gave her adult existential sort of emotions and thoughts And that's kind of where that happened. I also find it interesting that the second that the, the Kins or the, that Ken brought the patriarchy back to Barbie land and all of the, the new house sets were selling out in the real world. Right. Like. All of these weird, like, I was that like supposed to be a manifestation of like little boys that were playing with the kins now? But wouldn't they? But to me, like, I don't know. I here's the thing: I didn't, as a gay, a grown gay adult who didn't like, I didn't come out till I was twenty two. But also, I didn't play with Barbies when I was younger. Like, that wasn't my sort of like. I had a friend that had Barbies, right? But that wasn't, and, and dolls in general, that wasn't sort of like my in 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 many regards. Um, but like, to me, I feel like the gay kids weren't playing with Ken's. They were assumingly playing with Barbies if they were right. able to get their hands on them. Like, right. th- yeah. And there was all that dialogue of like the, the Barbies, the, like the discontinued Barbies that were all, the, all in weird Barbies uh, mm-hmm. house and stuff like that. And sort of like where, like, but is somebody playing with them? Are they just like people who are having them as collectible items for like nostalgia purposes mm-hmm. or, you know, so I think like, is that the the conversation? I just would have loved that narrative fleshed out more. Yeah. I would have liked that connection built and more obvious between America Ferreira and Margot Robbie. Right. Like I would have really liked that more fleshed out. Um, I feel like we could have, you know, seen maybe those scenes where America Ferrera found the Barbie and she started playing with it. And it's like she's doing the little dance thing and then Barbie's doing the dance thing in the in the Barbie land, right? Yeah. And they're, you know, doing their dance party. And then America Ferrera just kind of stops. And then Barbie goes, do you ever think about death? Mm-hmm. Right? That would have clearly laid that out. I also find it interesting that technically Barbie, like Margaret Robbie's Barbie, and America Ferreira are the same character. Right. Because, I mean, it's quasi the same character. Because Barbie still has the Barbiness of her. But half of her personality 
all of her doubts, all of her insecurities are coming from America Ferrera. Right. Because those didn't exist before America Ferrera started playing with her. So, like, half of her character in this movie is America Ferrera. So, America Ferrera is the main character of this movie, not not Margot Robbie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I can see that. Like, Margot Robbie is just the Barbie. Sure. Which is... It, it's it's a really cool like like the uh, thing that they did with that. I'm not sure what there's a technical term, but it's a really cool thing they did, and um, I, I found that really interesting to watch play out. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot I liked about the movie, and I would say mm-hmm. it's definitely a good. It's it's a fun watch for the most part, and it deserves multiple watches. I think once you go in with what you figured out the first time, go in and try to find more. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. there's a lot of depth to this movie that you maybe don't realize is there do we want to transition to a movie that didn't have any depth uh no depth at all um and that was a family switch over on netflix (laughs) so apparently like and and i feel like nobody's talking about how i mean here's the thing christmas movie there's that that the stigma of a christmas movie in many regards where it's just like sort of there's not much there and sort of like you it's like they're almost better when they're bad and so like yeah like and this was that i would say for the most part but it, so it's like jennifer garner and ed helms which mm-hmm. it's like i when we were flipping through like netflix it was like oh okay and it just it was just this freaky like a, friday well so yeah it was basically like the uh, it's freaky friday except now it's like both parents and both kids or whatever uh, no 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 Three kids and a dog. Oh, I forgot about the kid, the baby and the dog. <laughs> yeah. I just. That's the part where it's. when it jumped the shark. When, I, when they all. So when they. When fucking Rita Moreno, which. The fact that she was in this movie too. Like the, when Rita Moreno like does the whole thing and they're holding the dog. Which I was like, why did they bring the dog to the observatory? For, there are a lot of plot holes in this movie. We'll get to it. I was like, why did they bring the dog to the observatory? And they're holding them all together for the picture. And I'm like. Oh my God! Is the baby and the dog gonna switch too? Is that gonna be the and, and, and uh, of course it was. Okay. I will say though, seeing the dog get up on hind legs and just walk across the room was sure was peak comedy. But like, uh, <laughs> like there's I, I think like here's the thing: it, it would your like eight year old or like six year old like this movie? Probably, probably. The jokes are pretty straightforward and basic. It's a little. Well, I was going to say Disney Channel original movie, but I feel like those are more well-written than this. Yeah. (laughs) So here's the issue. This movie was clearly written by a Gen Xer. You were saying, yeah, 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 yeah. Who has never interacted with a Gen Z person. The the minute I I was fully with you on it and you pointed it out. The bu- the bully of like the the son and the like the whole like sort of like high school bully. It's like it was like a bully from the eighties. Like what the fuck? Like yeah, it was the, like it was like eighties like Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Maybe was so, the most recent thing that had that depiction of a bully. And that was and that was when I was starting the questions. I'm like, what what world are we in? Like what time period are we in right now? Because of that, combined with the fact then there was that whole, like the big thing of like when they figured out, they switched and they have to go, you know, to, you know, I think to her, the mother's work. And so like they have to do all this stuff, but they go to the car and they're like, what do we do? Like, I can't drive. I, Cause they can't look at a 13 year old driving and be like, yeah, you know, that's okay. And I was like, call an Uber. 
you call an Uber. What do you what do you do? You call an Uber. So okay, I, but, but then also, I but then I accepted like okay, so there's just not Uber in this world. And then thirty minutes later in the movie, like they have to go somewhere and, and then they call the, a lift. And I was like, what? Like just. But also like, just if you're a you're an adult. Like I know you're in a child's body. But you're an adult and you know how to drive. Cops are not looking at you if you are driving safely. So just drive safely. Sure. I guess. Like, yeah. Uh, Who gives a shit? Like, if it has, if it is an issue, then the the parent who, the kid who looks like the parent right. just leans over and say, hey, sorry, officer. I was teaching my kid how to drive. Won't be an issue. We'll switch. You know, maybe you get a ticket. Who gives a shit? These people are fucking rich. It's been a while also since I watched Freaky Friday. But, like, there was a lot of, like, confusion in my mind about, like, what like the what you learn from, like, sort of being in a certain person's body versus a memory and, like, a skill and how that works into skill. Like, how to drive a car. Like, right. like you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like, there were, like, the, with the soccer scene, which, like, I also was – I found it weird. I was telling you, I felt like they should have switched the roles of the kids. Like the kid, the daughter is like this sort of like, she burps all the time, sort of like sort of slob who's like a, a sports star. She's looking again to soccer and behind, right. you know, there's a national talent scout and she's really good at soccer. And then the boy is like the poindexter kind of like wanting to get into Yale or whatever sort of thing. I thought they should have switched those roles because it like worked weirdly when then Ed Helms has to then like be like sort of more chill and like that's the like you know but that wasn't the point the point was to get jennifer garner to do slobby right slob that's the things. That, that's the whole selling point of this movie right like seeing jennifer garner right because she is like a prim and proper kind of uptight kind of person yeah. well not really uptight but like she's just more put together and so when she gets to play a role where she gets to be like this sloppy kid right i mean it's the same thing she did with 13 going on 30 yeah which is also this movie um <laughs> essentially i did i did like that they acknowledged that uh, yeah, in the script that, there's they, that whole scene where they keep referencing like like every... they actively name all the different movies that this is yeah <laughs> i was like this is ridiculous come on but it's also just like it, they were all stupid. Like, the, like their actions were so stupid. Like, I, again, what world is it that like you either have Uber or don't? But also, you're a th in a sixteen year old girl in high school, and you don't understand what lactose intolerance means. Yeah, like to where she, her mom, the only ever seen where her mom's like, yeah, like I don't eat dairy, like I'm lactose intolerant, and then she fucking down some like hidden ice cream in her mom's office, and also. Ice cream that's just in a communal refrigerator. Right. She just gets a spoon and, and goes like, for and it. And they were like, it wasn't even just like tiny pints. They were like. They're like the court. The tubs. Little... And there were multiple. Yeah. I was so confused. And also, the it was also confusing when it was like. Because the office like vibe is like the, those like modern offices where it's like, hey, fist bump, sort of like we're cool and we're forty, right? But you all know of a I sudden mean? now everybody's giving Jennifer Gardner, 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 Gardner side eye when she comes in in neon yellow pants and little <gasps> pigtails. I was like, that's less weird than what she does on a daily basis. Yeah, when they came in, like, oh my god, look what she's wearing. I'm like, the hair is slightly weird, but like, 
the outfit's not. It's not that unprofessional. It's and, really not. And then also, I was so <laughs> the amount that we screamed at the fucking build up to like the her daughter as Jennifer Garner's spirit or whatever is uh, in like this big. They build up this like oh we we have this big soccer match that this like national talent scout is like going to be at, which is at like a fucking stadium. And I'm like, this is a high school soccer game. I had so many questions. This movie's terrible in terms of like also like also like all four of these people like the main people in the family are like the best at what they do. Like the, the mom is like this like high end architect and like the daughter is like the best soccer player ever. And like the son is like a freshman in uh, high school, but he's about to get admitted into like Yale and the dad like gave up an opportunity to be a part of Maroon six. Yeah. Instead of Maroon five, <laughs> he was the sixth member apparently and gave that up, you know, in order to have a family, but he's like one of the best musicians in the world. Apparently it's like, how are all four of you the best at what you do? Fuck you. No, it's yeah. But then the big like build up, and all of you have these once in a lifetime opportunities hitting on the same fucking day. Really? Uh, fuck you movie like not to steal a quote from movie bitches but fuck you movie but also so like jennifer gardner as a daughter just fucking up the soccer game she's grabbing the ball with her hands she's like flubbing everything to the point of it's like so blatantly obvious how bad it is to where why a talent scout would even like consider a person after that and then like the big fucking opening to the goal for the where they can actually win the fucking game and there's the opening for jennifer gardner's as the daughter to go and then Instead of running to get the ball, she goes back to check on an injured player from the opposing team. Bullshit. Nobody. <laughs> That's so like, like, I know you're. I a, could kick the ball and then turn around and pay attention to this person. You, you don't have to be a soccer player. You don't have to have played a game of soccer in your fucking life to be that stupid. Like, it's just. It was wild. And then to have the the person from the national team to the, come to their house on Christmas Day, right. mind you, on Christmas Day, to show up at their house and go, we really value sportsmanship. And it's like, bullshit. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, oh my God. It's so terrible. It was so bad. I, I hated this movie. I loved it and I hated it. It was awful and it was great. It's Go be- watch it. It's great if you want to scream at your TV. It, honestly. And the fact, and so the last one that we should probably talk about, which I thought was, I was shocked had better writing than this Family Switch movie. Honestly, like, this, this movie will now be my favorite holiday movie. It's up there. Bar like, none. It's actually written very well. Uh, and it's from last year, but but it's still good. That um, I had heard about that Violent Night movie, right? Violent Night, which uh, I like the concept of. Uh, what's, like, what's that guy's name that plays Santa? Oh, um, the actor. I have no yeah. clue. He's he's in um, Stranger Things. Um, oh, yeah. I don't watch Stranger Things. Though. I don't either. Like it should be up my alley, but like I tried and it didn't work. Um, so I just gave up. Um, but anyway, David Harbour? Yes, David Harbour plays Santa Claus, um, who is apparently a badass. Yeah. Um, and, like, there's this family that has, like, um, a home invasion. A super rich family has a home invasion on Christmas Eve. Um, 
to like steal this money that they were like apparently harboring and doing some backdoor deals for the U.S. government with whatever. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Um, and the bad guys are led by John Leguizamo. John Leguizamo, whose name is Mr. Scrooge. And then we have Santa, who is this David. Uh, David uh, Harbor. David Harbor. And he, Santa is, you know, a drunk, messy guy. Yeah. And um, disengaged from the concept of Christmas because kids are assholes, which right. is relatable. Uh, relatable. <laughs> but honestly, people, I mean, kids, eh, but sure. like people are assholes. Um, but, but apparently Santa used to be like this badass Viking warrior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now he's like... I'd love to hear the origin story of this Santa. Like, honestly. Well, this in, the whole intro part is actually really great because you he's at the bar, like you mentioned. But you think he's like some mall Santa, right? right. Like, you think he's like, it's a, like he's here for, or he's in town for like some like, you know, like the Santa cons or whatever. Right. Like, he, like he's a professional Santa. And that's why he's. I mean, he's the professional Santa, to right. be clear. So when you see the transition to find out that, no, he's the real Santa, but also to turn it on its head as to like what that means and so right. like you said with the background of like being the viking and stuff like that like it's it's a really cool like sort of it humanizes him yeah right santa is now all of a sudden this relatable character that you can see humanity in that and he did really... a he did a great job of just like as someone who doesn't really love action i mean this is kind of it's not really a horror movie it's more action i would right. say than horror it's very bloody but still like yeah do not go see this or not go see <laughs> this not in theaters sure. uh, don't see this movie if you don't like gore yeah. because you will see body parts coming out of body parts but as someone who gets really like detached by that style of movie sometimes like i thought his character had depth i felt like mm-hmm. i was compelled behind the ca- like like was rooting for him in many regards mm-hmm. like it was pretty well like done in and again like the where other movies the more traditional movies feel at it's like this sort of like kitschy fucking like you know oh yeah like is as some of the best character development and story development of like the year or whatever. There were still like some plot holes, like in terms of like, like I was getting annoyed with the little girl. I, I actually thought the little girl was pretty good throughout until they were all trapped with the guards with gu- like guards with guns. And then she starts using the walkie talkie to communicate with Santa. And I'm like, girl, you going to die. And I even being quiet about it. Uh-uh. <laughs> like that, that, that part lost. And me nobody slightly. caught her. Yeah. And then she charged up this man with a gun, like, Santa's real, and he's going to get you. And I'm like, bitch, sit your ass down. The way I would, but here's the thing. I was, and then I got on her side when I got so pissed at the dad in the way he had to be, because he was getting it, like, he was worried that, like, because she kept saying that, like, no, this, she knows this Santa, that, like, the John Leguizamo's people were going to, like, murder her or whatever. So the dad has to be like, it's not real. Santa's not real. Which it's like, I get why he did it initially and sort of that. But then he just keeps going on as to why Santa is not real. And uh, and I'm like, okay, you can shut the fuck up now. Like, you don't have to, like, mm-hmm. ruin. But, like, this this brings me to the problem that I have with all movies in which Santa is real. Where do the parents who don't believe in Santa think that the Santa gifts are coming from? That's my question. Like, unless they're, like, memory braining them and sort of, like... Right. Know, like, men in blacking them to basically be like, no, you bought this gift. Like... Right. How do they know, like, why... They, they know what they bought their child. And Right. Like, so... 
un- unless it's just really rare. Yeah. The kids are on the nice list. Maybe. And that that's why, well, that's why number one that, you know, Santa's able to get around the world because he only has to go see like three kids. And <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that actually, that's, that's part of the, the Santa narrative that I think more people should talk about. Well, I mean, it's like 10% of like all kids. It's not that much. Yeah. Honestly, kids are assholes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like where do they think those gifts are coming from? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it, it, it it's confusing, but like I also love the like the way the use of the the list that he had. It's like almost a kill list at a certain point because the way right. and the way that like bad guy the naughty kids would just keep racking up with these like assailants and stuff like that. I did like it. I did like that it was almost like a magical version of digital. Yes, yes like yes, yes. where it it clearly is like this high tech list, right? But right. it's clearly fed by magic not by technology and so it was like this really cool like blending of the two in a way that was like believable uh-huh because usually when you see those high-tech screens that are see-through or whatever you're like okay yeah come on but this like th- this almost made you want to go Oh, that's how that would work. Yeah, clearly. Also, that made me realize uh, one of the things I had mentioned too. Um, This would be a great video game. And and whoever, whoever, like, was behind the movie, like, think think about this because it would be great. Like, in terms of like the scene setting and the sort of like, so like this would be a like I would pick up this game. Absolutely, one thousand percent. Yeah, it was it was just really fun in many regards and sort of like violent in a way that was still not palatable because there was definitely some kills that were pretty fucking intense oh we were screaming at the at fi- some of those we won't spoil let's not spoil the final kill but like the final kill is fantastic it's fabulous but i i will say that it's a santa story at the end of the day there is a lot of like christmas camp that is in this movie yeah that is disguised Right. It is right. couched in violence and couched in all of this other stuff. But there's a lot of, like he's sitting there screaming at reindeer at one point and like kicking at the snow. Like that's fucking campy as hell. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I, I don't give a shit. That's it's so funny. Like the and home alone like side plot. Right. The there, there was this whole thing where the kid somehow ran off and had uh, was in the attic. Right. How she got away. Like, these are professionals. Are they? Some of them were a little stupid at parts. That's true. Okay, can we also talk about the fact that the, the what was her name? The 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 woman that was on the, the squad that was dressed like Christmas re- Harley Quinn. Oh, yeah, I don't remember her name. But. She, I don't know who this actress is, and she did a fabulous job, but it should have been Heather Morris from Glee. You thought it was, so, yeah, you were like, is that Heather Morris, Amelia? And I actually thought it was Diana Argon from Glee. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's like they, neither of them would, would do this movie. So no, but know. it would be, fa- I, I honestly think Heather Morris would do this movie. It was so much fun, and honestly, I could see this future for Britney S. Pierce. Oh, okay. Like, if she went dark, this is her character. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was It was a fun one. It, it's a, It's an under... Like, you know, 
you would watch it for like the instinct would be to watch it for very kitschy reasons, but like it's actually a really good movie. Like yeah. throughout, like I, in terms of like the actual narrative of things, I think a lot of people would who are more movie snobs would like really enjoy it. Like it ticks all the good boxes of a Christmas movie. Yeah, in that there are some feel good parts in it, mm-hmm. right? That are very Christmassy, but it it doesn't do any of the, um. I mean, it does do some of the stereotypical stuff, but it does it in a way that subverts it, right, of the holiday movies. Like, you don't get your Hallmark holiday movie checklist, you know, that all the drinking games are based off of. But some of those tropes, they take and twist and turn on their heads and put in this movie in, like, a twisted, dark way, and it's a lot of fun. Um, And it keeps you guessing in many regards. It's not like... what you would predict in terms of like how things maneuver. There are some surprises and sort of like shocking moments that like, in, not just in terms of like the kills, but also like in terms of like plot that you would, you know, be really interested to see. And like we said, David Harbour really does an amazing job of making um, uh, Santa someone who is relatable, someone that you root for and someone that is like, a badass and human that you don't really get in any other depiction of Santa. Like the closest you get is like the, the Tim Allen Santa Claus movies. Yeah. Right. And that because he starts off as human and ascends to Santa Claus, but like, it's still like that over the top, like crazy thing. I loved the fact that he still laughed as a ho, ho, ho. Throughout this whole movie. And it was just like, it would come out of nowhere where he'd laugh at a particularly gruesome kill with a ho, ho, ho. And I was like, that's fucking demented. That's (laughs) so good. (laughs) I love this shit. Yeah, definitely go check it out. It's it's an underrated gem. Um, That's our movie viewing uh, for this past week. Uh, We hope you enjoyed our discussions about it. If you have any movies that you think we should watch, uh, send them in and let us know. Uh, We're definitely always open to new suggestions of things. Um, We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we're talking the season finale of House of Villains. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and you know, I'm your Riz. And, you, you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. Do you want something new to put on your reading list? Are you feeling your holiday spirit grow while also being astutely politically in tune? Then you'll want to pick up The Santa Strike, a new book by Shanna Hammaker. While home in Midland, Texas on a weekend visit with the eccentric uncle who raised him, Marion Wachlowski, otherwise known as Mary, discovers a long-forgotten letter Uncle Joe wrote to Santa Claus. Mary keeps it to share with his girlfriend Lindsay and his best friend Tommy, at first, they consider the letter to be nothing more than a silly lark. What kind of grown man would write a letter to Santa? But soon, Mary and Lindsay find themselves caught in a much larger mystery concerning many, many more letters to Santa, all surrounding the crisis of gun violence in America. You can order The Santa Strike now on Amazon, available both on Kindle and in paperback. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com 
Welcome back to A Gay and His Envy. Let's head on over to California where these nasty ex-villains are back, back, back again, and the remaining villains try to keep the nasty launch from doing the same on House of Villains. House of Villains, the finale. Uh well, first, before we get to who the winner is, obviously, we'll get to that when we get to everything in the end. What are our thoughts on the season as a whole? I thought this was a great 10 episodes. It was an enjoyable clusterfuck. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think in terms of entertainment value, it's all there. I think we'll get to it sort of like how things transpire towards the end. I've seen a lot of like d- dialogue of like people who are like big, like big brother and survivor fans, like being like, what the fuck? Like with this, like, like the, the finish wasn't as like satisfying or whatever. But like, I think with this type of show, it's not like, it's not that it's not this highly strategic sort of like, you know, you know, in it's that you're not going to the show for that. You're going to the show because it's fucking wild. Like, and like what did y'all expect? This show is hosted by Joel McHale yeah, just- and he ended up creating the most Joel McHale fucking show that has ever Joel McHale. Yeah, it it was a lot, but it was it was a great it was a great uh, run of things, and I'm hopeful for th- to see like more seasons coming forward. I think there's a lot you can do yeah. with this sort of you know um, this branding. Um, we start the episode when we're down to the final five. Uh, and Eva tells them to get ready for their final battle royal challenge. Joel is yelling at them to come downstairs, and they all sit at this table with these cloches in front of them, um, sort of obviously some big dramatic something or other. Anytime there's cloches, it's... Uh, mm-mm, mm-mm. No, I've seen enough reality shows to know this is an eating challenge. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I w- I, well, actually, now that I think about it, I was like, they have, th- with this genre of, like, reality shows, I'm like, I'm surprised they hadn't done anything eating yet. So, like, it makes sense that this episode. Um, they all, Joel's basically like, what's a great meal without a few special guests? And then we see sort of the, I don't, I don't think they actually filmed it this way, but they did, like, the reverse of the, like, um, the chairs, uh, coming back and and people re-emerging so to speak and so the eliminated villains return um minus one mm-hmm. <laughs> which I, I love Bobby the, was getting his uterus so. yeah that's the, that's that's the conclusion he couldn't make it it was you know he's in surgery i love the soldiers going so if you're wondering where bobby is we couldn't find him <laughs> it's i mean inconvenient kind of unprofessional total bobby move <laughs> and, and the fact that bobby was just like i don't care and like yeah peaced out which but would it have changed not to spoil it but like would it have changed the end result i don't think so because i think his vote would have been the decider in that case and so yeah but i don't know that he would have given it to tanisha really yeah. Spoiler alert, it was Tanisha the Yeah, I know. I, I was like, oh, we're going to... Nah, we have to talk about it. But, like, yeah, I don't think he would have. I, I think he would have maybe given... I, I think he would have given it to Bobby. Or, or not Bobby. Bananas. Because uh, there, there is sort of, like, a weird, like... I don't know. Like... like They was fucking... Mutual... Well, I was going <laughs> to say mutual respect, but maybe they're fucking. Who knows? Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, but, so, Bobby's not there. But Joel basically tells them that the eliminated vill- villains are... Not only uh, returning, not only are they deciding the winner, basically, but they're moving back into the house, which I thought was a good touch to sort of like, Mm -hmm. you know, I saw a lot of people being like, I 
some well not a lot of people some people were like i checked out of this series like when uh when tiffany went like episode four or whatever mm-hmm. but so it was good to like at least like use some of these talents some more and sort mm-hmm. of get some more traction out of them in that regard which i which i appreciated um so basically uh the way that the structure we were like how is this going to work now so with the final five so basically this last challenge one person wins supervillain of the week. They will then choose to take one person with them to the final three. And then the f- three people who have not been chosen or won uh, compete in the redemption challenge. The winner of that then goes and that makes the final three essentially. I thought that was a good. It's basically the final fire on Survivor. Yeah. Or the, or the like. I mean, it's essentially also like Big Brother in the sense of like when you're at the final four, like who you're going to take or well, when you're at the final three, like who you're going to take and sort of that strategy behind it. We'll get to sort of um, the whether we thought the move was actually good in terms of what happened. Spoiler, I don't think it was. Um, Mm. (laughs) um, They do then their Battle Royal Challenge, which is uh, titled The Last Supper. Um, They bring it. Joel brings in Chef Ben from Below Deck. We don't watch Below Deck. Um the little scene they show of him just like having like some fit in like the galley kitchen or whatever. I was like, okay. But like, I was like, he's a villain. Like, so to me, there's like, I just wouldn't put him up there with like iconic villains, but in fairness, like I said the same thing about like Enfisa and shake. So I don't know. Sure. But like, I don't, I don't know how people are villains on shows like that where it's your job. Like, it's one thing if it's, like, on Vanderpump, where most of the the fuckery happens outside of the restaurant. Oh, Especially yeah, yeah. nowadays where, you know, it it's this group of people who used to work at Sir. No longer working at Sir. Nobody fucking works at Sir. Right. Um, But, like, at least back in the day, if there was something that happened in the restaurant, there was professional ramifications. Sure. For the most part. Like, sometimes it'd be like, well, but... I mean, sometimes, yes, sure. But Lisa Vanderpump, at the end of the day, is a pushover, and she likes people like that on her TV show because it brings in ratings and money. So, I get that. Fine. Why would you ever want to be stuck on a boat with a man like that? Yeah. I will say, I think that you wouldn't like villains like that. Like, of the shows that, like, the, like, I've gotten you into more, like, reality TV since we've been married and stuff like that, obviously, and stuff like, and, and all that. But, like, I feel like the, I feel like the, there is a, that trope of, like, people who are in, like, a professional setting who are villains. Like, I don't want, I, I'm not the big, well, I'll watch it, but, like, I'm not the biggest fan of, like, a kitchen nightmares or, like, a, where you have these, like, mean asshole people, but they, like, are of either in actual power or they like mm-hmm. run a restaurant or like they have some like, you know, like Gordon Ramsay would never get away with acting like that. If he wasn't Gordon Ramsay. Well, that's, a, that maybe is a good question. And maybe to pose to the audience as well. Like is Gordon Ramsay a villain? Yes. Cause I don't think most people would consider him a villain now. No, because they've seen MasterChef Junior. But you also... he's a fucking pudding pop. But also he gets away... Like, he doesn't get, like, the... I would argue he doesn't get the villain label by society because of he's viewed in this position of authority, right? So it's like... And so much on television, it's like, if you're the expert or you're like the, like... That doesn't mean you get to be an asshole. Hell's Kitchen, in my view, is a professional kitchen setting. Yes, it's a competition... Right? But at the end of the day, it should function like a 
professional fucking kitchen. And if you're going to treat somebody like that, you don't deserve to be in charge. Yeah. That's why you would, you don't like shows like that. And like, I don't like people like that sure. because but, I but will scream in your face. But that's why you don't like shows like that. Is what right. I mean. Like, like, yeah. It, I don't care if I did something wrong. You don't treat me like that. You treat me like the fucking human I am. Hmm. And Gordon Ramsay doesn't do that. He screams at people and tells them that they're idiot sandwiches. Which I think it, not, not to get too much on the tangent, but I think it was always a thing that like appealed to certain, and also the, the with Hell's Kitchen, they also cast the idiots. So like you were sure. like, well, this person's a fucking idiot. You want, your instinct is you want to yell at the idiot. And so Gordon Ramsay's yelling at the person on your behalf as the audience who you want to yell at. You know what I mean? Like that was always the kind of like, like the premise, right? Yeah. But that's not, I, I feel like because it's a professional environment, your goal is to make someone better. And that does not make anyone better. That makes someone traumatized. I also think it's how reality has changed over like 10 or 20 years. Maybe. Like, I think like what was like the, the nowadays you can't like he's softened a lot. He has in, like in, go back and watch like the first couple seasons of Hell, Hell's Kitchen and then watch like and, Master Chef. And I don't think it's because he's personally like softened his approach necessarily. I think it's because television people on television don't want that anymore. No. So yeah. But back to Chef Ben. I love anyway, the, I love that the producer asked New York, uh, "Do you know who Chef Ben is?" And Tiffany goes, "Is he from France?" <laughs> See the one from France, <laughs> and she's like, "Well, he's British, so <laughs> so no, so no, uh, not the same thing." Um, basically, they have these five plates of items that are priced out, and they have to buy like two hundred dollars worth of food, and the food that they bought, they have to eat completely before everybody else. And then they also like at the very end, like say like, "Oh, you also have to eat this donut," which I found like weird, like sort of like, "Oh, like." for like seemingly no reason it's just like let them eat like part of the strategy is like what you order right so it's like yeah. let them i don't know it seemed odd um but it has to equal out to two hundred dollars um they have uh hard-boiled eggs for ten dollars um these like really spicy chicken wings for 20 uh a fish eyeball for 30 dollars bull testicles for 40 and a pig brain pie um for 50 i love tiffany was the great when they were like showing off the the things her and her confessional i'm calling the ascp because they've been abusing these fish why are they so red they didn't kill these fish kosherly and then she like takes a second to go kosher coach coach like like (laughs) (laughs) and then when the oh and then when the testicles get revealed she goes i thought they were like real men's testicles and joel has to go you thought we were serving human testicles. <laughs> and then she goes, when you take them out of the pack, like if you cut a man open, they would look like that. I'm like, oh my God. I, that is like the, I feel like everything shriveled when she said that. And I'm like, I, I envy any man that gets with Tiffany. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, well, okay. So what would your, I think we were discussing it when we were watching it. What would your strategy be? Now, not. I think your response was, "Well, I wouldn't be doing this. I would quit." But, right. But if um, I'm actually like thinking it throughout, I I would pull it on Marosa and say, "I'm sorry, but the medic told me <laughs> medic that told- I could not compete in this challenge. You can't even eat the eggs." <laughs> No, 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 because I'm allergic to sulfur. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you actually would do bad at this because there's a lot of like 
Um, well, I don't know what the... I can't eat organ meat. Yeah. Because it's high. So I can't eat the brains. I can't eat the testicles. I can't eat the eyes. His eyes? Well, I guess, yeah. The, the only thing I could eat would be... The chicken uh, wings. The chicken wings. You would pull a shake and just order all the chicken wings. But I wouldn't because... I already, because of how many pills I take, I'm already at a high risk for ulcers. So that would cause an actual fucking ulcer in yeah. my stomach. So I would not be able to do this challenge. Yeah. Period. End of story. I would think, I honestly would have just done four of the brains. Probably. Because I feel like they, I feel like the brains probably aren't that bad. In- honestly, the brains are mostly fat and water. So I may be able to get away with that. I would much. I would feel better eating the brains than I would with like the hard boiled eggs. I actually hate hard boiled eggs. They're so nasty. Yeah. Um. So they're going through everyone's like everyone's getting their stuff. Tiffany, uh, or not Tiffany. Uh, Tanisha uh, uh, orders the balls, and she's like, "Yeah, I'll do the balls." And then like a side, a side of the chicken wings, but like she clearly doesn't understand the game of just like you have to get to two. They're like you, Tanisha. You have to like order to two hundred. Amarosa gets a jab in and goes, "Counting's not her forte." And then <laughs> Amarosa just or Tanisha gets pissed and just goes, "Can you stop talking? You are so obsessed. You are too old for this at your big age." And then her and Amarosa then just get into this shouting match at the table. <laughs> Shake in the background just goes, oh, Marissa, you suck. Like, okay, Shake. Like, uh, he didn't need to be in it. Shake decides to order 10 wings, like I mentioned. And then he gives this, like, what felt like two minutes, like, long, boring story of, I went to Buffalo Wild Wings once, and I, I'm like, I don't care. Like, like who cares? Like, no. you ate, cool, wings. Like, whatever. Um, Bananas decides uh, to go with balls and just... But says is you know leaning towards the fish eyes because she said he says the slimier the balls the easier they go down. I mean fair enough logic and they're smaller so it's like yeah. you can get more out of it I guess. Um, and Fisa orders like nine eggs or whatever. But so they start the challenge and she's basically not com- competing. She's just like nibbling on the egg whites of mm-hmm. just like one of the eggs as everyone else is just like fully engaging into it. She basically says like the only chance that I'll be safe is if Johnny Bananas wins. Like, in, like he's basically betting that he'll take her to the end. And at first I was like, oh, really? You're betting that much on it? But then I was like. Okay, but that is the smartest move. If yeah. I'm bananas, we'll get to it. Which is not the move he made. Yeah. Tiffany's yelling, eat it, Tanisha. You're at TGI Fridays, like giving her a pep talk or whatever. Uh, but bananas uh, is like far in the head, like, you know, running rough shot. Tiffany just going, what a disgusting slime ball. Look at him. <laughs> like sort of like marveling at like... <laughs> But I love that she says that inside, like she calls someone a, a disgusting slime ball in an endearing way. <laughs> no one but Tiffany Pollard can do that. <laughs> yeah. Bananas ends up winning and Tanisha's like celebrating. Like Tanisha was like, I thought there was going to be like, again, like a major swerve for Tanisha in the sense that like, she's like celebrating him and like, and like hugging onto him being like, that's my boy. And sort of like all that. And I'm like, Okay, like at a certain point, it, I was like, okay, Tanisha, you're latching a little bit too hard onto bananas in a way yeah. that, like, I feel like would backfire for you, but spoiler alert, it doesn't. Um, <laughs> um, they all sort of mingle around after the challenge is over. We found out that, like, when Jax got eliminated, he got a call from Brittany, and apparently she had a stroke. And, yeah. like, he, like, right as he was leaving, essentially, so, like, the timing was, like, yeah, perfect for him to, like, go home or whatever. But then he... She was apparently fine after that, and he came back to the show. Like, I wouldn't have come back. Yeah. 
She, he said it was like a mini stroke or something like that. Yeah. Like it wasn't like. I think she talked about it on Sheena's podcast. She went on afterwards and talked talked with her about it. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah. I mean, good to see that she's kind of yeah made it out of that. But I love to just being like, let me just hold you. Like comforting. Uh, ge- like was very invested. And I don't. I think this was all genuine by Tanisha. Don't get me wrong. But watching it back on the rewatch, like you do. Here's the thing. You do see Tanisha's strategy in a way she like plots out like sort of like her path in certain ways Mm -hmm. and i do think she for people being like oh whatever like you know she didn't play like the most like active game i do think she made choices at least at this part to sort of be like well my selling point is going to be on an emotional level it's not going to be on a strategic gameplay level so i need to play into that i need to you know really hone that she honestly she played she she played fair play's game in a way well I mean, yeah fair it, play would never fair play would never admit that this was his game but that's that's what he did on survivor like even though his was a lie like with the dead grandma thing sure like she literally went in and said okay my only chance of winning is to have a sob story so she told the story about her son and wanting to you know, do all these things for him. And, you know, she, you know, ingratiated herself with people on an emotional level as opposed, like she used her ability to connect that way in order to win. And isn't that a villainous move? Right. Even though it was real. Cause to me also, I think we'll get to it when like the votes happened, like she worked on the people she knew would right. be, Open to it. Open open to it and maybe not have gameplay in, like, the first mind. Like, Jax. Like, Jax is going to think more. Like, he says it in the in the confessional like you know that he's finally in like a seat of power now that he can decide the winner so everyone's like kissing his ass and that feels pretty good it's like he's like he's somebody who's just like you know just love on me and sort of give me that support Mm -hmm. and then i'll you know give you what you which want which is great cuz he kind of needs that after all this stuff with his family happening sure but Dax also wants that you know right 9 times out of 10 um sh- the whole the whole time shake is just stuck in his bed like with bubble guts they keep doing the like gurgling sound effects and sort of all that stuff like i will say maybe it was the best thing for his game because i feel like the more he talks to people like the worse mm-hmm. it is for him that is accurate um Corinne and fair player talking uh, and uh, Fair Play's like, I'm so excited you're back. And Corinne's like, you're lying to me. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone lied to me in this game. It's fine. Um, Fair Play's like, well, so like, what? well, because Corinne's like, what have I missed? And she's like, or Fair Play's like, well, and Visa and Bananas are in love, I guess. Like sort of playing like to Corinne on that. Record. I think there's, like, I think there was also, I think Fair Play's smart in parts as well. Like, yeah. let me flip Corinne on against Bananas because Corinne would be more inclined to vote for Bananas if I were to, you know, get to the end or whatever. So, like, let me... And Corinne even says that she's contemplating sort of, like, voting against Bananas simply to, like, fuck him over mm-hmm. in terms of that regard. Um, I I also... Do, here's the thing. The topic of, like, jury management comes up. I actually don't think Bananas did... I also don't think Bananas did a terrible job of jury management. I think the issue was more who he took to the end. Right. I think, like, if... Like, he actually did a decent job enough of sort of, like, being the game player that, like, no one hates. 
Right. Like, you know, sort of like, oh, he's the game playing, but I respect him for it. It's part of the, you know. Right, right, right. He never made it too overly personal in that regard. Um, Basically, so, and also, so then Tanisha, like, squashes the beef immediately with Tiffany as well. Like, again, like, getting jacks and then making sure everything with her and Tiffany is cool. And Tiffany says, look, I love beef, but I know how to put the beef away and be chicken. Which I thought was the weirdest fucking... The weirdest fucking way to put that. Um, yeah. So Tanisha and and uh, banana, Bananas talk at one point and Tanisha's like, look, I know, you know, everything, you know, we're tight and, you know, I really, you know, love having you as a friend. I'll respect your decision, whichever it goes. And I'm like, okay, but bana- like Bananas has to not pick her. Like to right. me, like it makes, I don't know what his thought process was. Because, like, he then, like, gets into bed, like, Amphisa gets into his bed at one point, and they're discussing it, because then Amphisa has to make her final pitch. He literally says to her, like, look, if I save Tanisha, I most likely lose the vote in the end. If I don't, I'm taking $200,000 away from her. And Fisa literally goes, sounds like something you would do. Right. Which, like, yeah. And we'll get to it. Amphisa was actually great this episode. But, like... Yeah, there, I again, I don't know much about the challenge, but there is a. I remember there is a challenge at one point where it was like a pairs like finale, but you could take when you if you win in the end, you could take the prize money away from your partner and keep it for yourself. Like wow. you could take it, and he decided to do it, <laughs> and it was so. It's like why is he like he he's considered like one of the most cutthroat fucking like you know all for himself people at least from what I get from Johnny Bananas. Right. Like, how he fumbled in the end, I just, like, don't get it. I don't get it either, especially when he spent this whole episode going, you know, you really have to vote, you know, based on who did well in the house. Outside factors should not matter. Yeah. Like, you talk this big game about the outside factors shouldn't matter and where this money is going to go shouldn't matter. It should be who earned it in the house to go against your own advice and make an emotional decision. I think he realized he fucked himself. Like, I think, I think I, I almost feel like immediately as he told Tanisha, save Tanisha, he realized he fucked himself. Well, he says as much in the confessional at the end of the show. Yeah. He says, as soon as I took her, I knew like, cause to me like that, what he does there with like that pitch is just trying to save it after the fact of like trying to like get something. Cause he knows that that's the appeal is that in Tanisha, like I'm the strategic, if, if someone's going to vote based off a of strategic gameplay, they're going to vote for me. If they're going to vote for somebody who they like the most or find, you know, the most emotional connection with or whatever, they're going to go with Amphisa. And you have a group. I, 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 maybe this is the fault of bananas is that you have a group of people who don't play these games all the time. Bananas and fair play. Yeah are really the only two who have played these type of games before. Right. So, th- of course, they would vote for the person who had the best gameplay. You could maybe say Amorosa as well. But, like, I feel like everyone else, why would... Uh, it's? But, it, I mean, it also goes back to sort of, like, the thing of Surviv- with Survivor or Big Brother. It's like, well, why wouldn't I vote for the person I like the most? Right. Why wouldn't I instinctively want to give money... To the person that I'm closer with of the two people. Right. Well, and to me, so if he had chosen Anfisa to go with him and Tanisha was in that quiz. Right. Do you think she still would have been in the final three? I think it would have been either her or fair play. I think, I think it would have been closer. Because if fair play had been in the end, 
it, bananas would have won. Yeah, one thousand percent. No one's gonna. No one was gonna vote for fair play. And if he took, maybe not no one, but like he wasn't gonna win. If he took fair play or shake to the end, and Fisa still would have won, and I think it still would have been his. Yeah. So I mean, it was the one choice he made that he could have made. Literally, the oh, I really do think the only person he could have lost to was Tanisha. Yeah, there was no other scenario where he wasn't going to win. Yeah, that's the more frustrating thing. It's not real. There's not really a lot of sort of like what ifs. It's very clear what was going to happen. Yeah, which makes the ending, which makes the decision more confusing. It does make it more confusing, like from a logical standpoint. But honestly. For me, it's more satisfying. Sure, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm glad. Yeah, um, they entered the stronghold for the nominee. Also, I I, th- I feel like we, I love that we did figure out what the fuck this whole like stronghold thing was. It's clearly in like a garage or something, yeah. or so, like si- which makes sense of like the placement of it in the house. That, right, that's that is just that, the laundry room door. Right, right, right. <laughs> so because so it's it's apparently like downpour raining outside, and so you hear it the whole time, and like they have to acknowledge it because it's like so clear what's happening joel just here being like can you hear that guys it's raining money get it because <laughs> this is a competition and we have to ignore this <laughs> um bananas decides to nominate shake fair play and anfisa but it, it comes down to anfisa and tanisha uh and like he's really building it up but he chooses to put anfisa up for nomination and the look on tanisha's face and then fucking like ode to joy starts playing over the top like jesus christ like this Jeez. this show knows what it's doing okay uh, and, and they finish and I love Joel going okay guys get out of here before we all drown or Shake's butthole explodes all over us <laughs> I missed that yeah it was great <laughs> um, Fair Play thinks that for him this was the best case scenario that Bananas took Tanisha because it eliminates a vote for the other person because Tanisha if Tanisha would have voted for Bananas to win and vice versa Right. So in his mind, like, if I can win this final challenge, I have a, which is, I mean, I, again, I don't think fair play would have, if it was bananas, Tanisha fair play in the end, I don't think fair play would have won. I think he would have gotten a couple votes. Maybe. I think he probably would have gotten Omarosa's vote. And like, like there were, there would have been, but I don't know that that would have happened. Maybe Tanisha actually, you know, maybe he would have gotten zero because maybe Tanisha's like social game was strong enough to like that that she would have gotten these votes without. Fair, now because you, no, fair you're play, right. Fair plays votes. Who would they have pulled from? Maybe Shake. Maybe like. Well, no, no. What I mean is, would they have pulled votes from Bananas, or would they pulled votes from? It, he would have pulled. Tanisha? He would have pulled any Bananas votes that were reluctant to vote for Bananas. So, like, so Tanisha still would have won. So I think Shake. Well, because unless it, they all went from bananas to fair play, yeah, they may have just voted for. T- Actually, now I think if you weren't going to vote, if you really didn't want to vote for bananas, you would have just voted for Tanisha. Now that I think about it, because like to me, it's like Tanisha is. There's a wanting Tanisha to win because you like Tanisha, but there's also I feel like an underlying satisfactoriness of like. 
voting for Tanisha because Bananas made the wrong decision of taking her. Right. I think, again, I think it partly plays into why Omarosa voted for Tanisha. Mm-hmm. I think she kind of was like, well, I could easily give it to Bananas. I know Bananas played the best game, quote unquote, but it's like, I can be the one that controls everything. I could be the, like, mm-hmm. the head of, you know, the, that, and yeah, I think that, I think there was some bitterness that played into it to a certain regard. You know, but yeah, I was just more confused because it was like Corinne was open to voting against bananas and Shake was at one point because he shaked and bananas didn't take Shake. So I was confused as to what happened there. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways. um, So yeah, Shake is still like dying in bed. Um, because <laughs> yeah, but so the next morning, um, Tiffany, uh, start, Tiffany brings up the idea like, hey, Shake, like, did you vote for me to leave? And Shake's like, yeah, no, I voted for you to stay. Corinne's like, I voted for you to stay too. And Shake's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> like right in front of Tiffany, <laughs> like just selling again, just being a cutthroat asshole to the very fucking end. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I'm 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 just glad Shake didn't win. I I am. Here's the thing. I. I'm glad Shake didn't win. I was all, I almost wanted Shake's loss to be more satisfactory in a regard. Yeah. Part of me wishes he was in the final three just so they could be like, fuck you. I'm not giving you the fucking money, you asshole. Yeah. Instead of like losing out in that challenge. Yeah. Because it was such a, it was such a anticlimactic end. You were saying you were mad that some people didn't get thrown backwards in the chair. Right. Like, we didn't get a, we didn't get a fair play or a Shake exit. Yeah. That's sad. You you have to do it at least obligatorily because like, they even gave it an exit to Tanisha or to um, uh, bananas and and Fisa. Yeah, it's like so the only two that didn't go through the the wall. Well, other than Amarosa, but fuck her. Um, but she she was planning. She was going to, but she earned the wall. Yeah. The only ones who didn't actually get get the chance to go through the wall is shake and fair play. shake and fair play. Yeah. Yeah. It's a rite of passage. Go through the wall. <laughs> I, I love also, so they're going down the stairs to go to the challenge and Shake's just behind Amphisa uh, as they're going down the stairs and going, oh, Amphisa's looking confident. She's looking confident. Amphisa just goes, shut up. <laughs> I don't just mean like, shut up. <laughs> I, no one likes you here. Well, I can, clearly, she's just over it. Oh, yeah. Like, at this point, it's like, I am so sick of Shake being here. Like, why did he not go home week one? Yeah. Um, so they do the redemption challenge called Who Said It, where basically they are they read a quote from somebody who's and this is all quotes from people's confessionals or whatever, and you had to guess who said it. Uh I I did pretty good at, once you get to there, like people sort of like turns of phrases and mm-hmm. sort of like words they use, like it's kind of easy to catch on in certain regards. Um I will say Anfisa did I mean got a complete perfect score. Which I thought was impressive. I did like yeah. the I did like the people being like, "Oh, like she doesn't say much, but like she clearly is listening to everything." And like, I I like that we got some reason that Anfisa was there, right? You know what I mean? That she wasn't just this like doormat, like right. sort of like right, you know, placeholder in many regards. Um, yeah. So Anfisa wins at one point. Shakes mathematically eliminated, but it comes down to fair play and Anfisa, and she just runs roughshod and gets a complete perfect score and wins and makes it to the end. Um, fair plays dejected. He says, just like on survivor, I get second. The final challenge gets me every time, which also is not 
accurate in terms of his run on Survivor. He didn't even get second. He got third on his first season. Also, this isn't second. This is fourth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Third or, well, fourth or fifth at the in, in the worst case scenario. Well, I, no, no. He was definitely fourth because Shake got out earlier. That's Right. You can, you can say that. But, yeah. And also, like, he did a return season of Survivor where he went out, like, second. So, like, he, if I know your track record, Johnny, like, come on. <laughs> you should know it. Uh. Um, yeah. This is So, this is when Bananas, like, has, like, a group of people by the pool and giving them this pep talk about, like, the voting. He's like, look, when we came into this house, there was no guarantee we would walk out with money. Like, fair play, he wants to buy his daughter a car. I'm opening a business. Jack's wife's in the hospital. Everyone shares similar circumstances. I'm like, those aren't similar. At all. <laughs> those are no way similar. And he's like, I think it should be decided on the parameters of how, you know, things have happened in the house. Fair play in his confession goes, this is bullshit. Johnny Bananas has been on, like, 21 shows. He's won one million eight. $174,000. He doesn't need the money. Like, again, I, I appreciate Fair Play tr- or um, Bananas trying. Yeah. But it's like, like uh, Fair Play's right. Like, you're not going to sell yourself as this, like, person who really needs the money. You're the most, you're probably the most successful in terms of, like, ga- winning money in reality TV history. Probably. With no. The- Tony. Survivor, he's won twice oh, and won $3 million. Oh, yeah, because that's like a million. Those are millions. But I would say he... He I, won Survivor the first time and got a million, and then he winners at war was a $2 million prize. So he's I, won $3 million. I want to... I, I would be curious, people who watch the challenge, I think... I would think Bananas is at least up to a million. Yeah, probably. I think he's won a, a good amount of them, if I, if I remember correctly. So, like, yeah, I see what you're saying, but, like, he's... Again, he's not looking for money like yeah. at, at the end at the end of the day um yeah so um they're getting ready to for the final thing T- like right before like tanisha and amorosa like apologize to each other in the kitchen again again i again i think people need to watch back this episode a second time tanisha is doing the job mm-hmm. of securing her votes and working the jury management up until this this final uh ceremony honestly like she she may not have won challenges beforehand, but her social game throughout the whole thing was actually pretty smart. Yeah. And she didn't and for it takes a lot. I would say it would have taken a lot for her to apologize to Amarosa or try to make things good with Amarosa. Right. She didn't fucking like her. Like she fucking mm. hated her. So like but she knew like if there's any vote that I can get, right. I'm gonna try to get it. Right. And I think that's commendable. And I think that's someone who did understand the game to a certain extent. I don't think it was like, was part of it hitching onto Johnny Bananas? Yes. Mm-hmm. But like, I think that it was smart in certain regards. Bananas was the strongest competitor. And you got carried to the end, but you also did a lot of work. And I think like she was crucial uh, votes in certain regards. She was crucial to Bobby going home. She was the swing. Like, here's the thing. If Tanisha watched these other shows, watched like Survivor or Big Brother, she could have delivered a speech that was also listing her resume and listing moves and sort of like strategy and stuff like that. She could have done that. I don't think she needed to do that with the cast and the jury that was in front of her. Right. Well, and the thing is, is that a lot of, if you really go back and look at it, a lot of the success of... Bananas was due to Tanisha. Right. 
So really and truly, she, and I love the story of a black woman using a white man to kind of push what is needed. And then at the very end, she wins. Right. Like that makes my heart happy. Yeah. And I think she questioned bananas when she felt that she needed to question him. Right. And like, but also conceded arguments with him. Right. When she's like, yeah, I know you're right. Yeah. I hate Amorosa and I want instinctively to get that bitch out. But like, you're right. right. We have to keep her for this point or whatever. Like, I think like she is much more intelligent than I, here's the, I think a lot of people, it's a few minority of people who are like, again, like I mentioned, those devoted Survivor Big Brother fans who are so in love with the concept of strategy in these games mm-hmm. that were saying this kind of stuff. Most people were just like happy to each one. But like, I think I would argue to those people, there's a lot of underlying strategy there that I don't think you're necessarily seeing. Right. You know, I, I, I think it's there. Um, they entered the stronghold for the final vote. Joel goes, either Bananas, Anfisa, or Tanisha will be crowned with the upside-down stove burner that is our crown. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, that is what it looks like. Because it, it was not a good crown. No. It was pretty chintzy. <laughs> no. They did. I mean, it was chintzy, but they did have enough wherewithal to get those, like, blue lights underneath it to, like, give it some, like... Yeah, but you can get a strip of LED lights on Amazon for real cheap. Yeah. That's all that was. Yeah. They all do their uh, finale speeches of why they should win. Joel goes, Anfisa, please speak for the first time on this show. (laughs) But (laughs) she kind of checks him, though, in a way. She does her speech. She goes, when I came in, I had no idea what to expect. I didn't grow up in this country. I didn't know any of you. I didn't know you, Joe. He calls him Joe. <laughs> like, I think I, and maybe that was just like a mistake, but also I love the idea that she did that intentionally. Like, yeah. to be like, fuck you. <laughs> um, but she's like, I think all three of us are equally deserving of the prize. So the decision is up to you. But then I love that bananas then falls with that. I'm the only person who should win this prize, basically. <laughs> like, fuck that shit. <laughs> He's basically like, if you if we were playing within the parameters of the show, who's the biggest villain? There was no greater villain in this house than me. I would say of the three. Of the three, yes. Probably. The biggest villain in the house was probably Bobby, maybe Omarosa. I would say, yeah, Bobby may be up, Bobby may have been bigger than Omarosa. I'm it's, it, it's different, but yeah. so it's hard to like compare, but... I could see an argument for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then Tanisha, like, basically goes through the lineup of everyone to be like, this is why I supported you, essentially. Mentions that, like, giving her back to, uh, her bed to Jax uh, the first night, wherever she's like, and you know, that was big for me. I'm a germaphobe. Um, like, with Tiffany and with Almaris, like, she, de- she does a smart job, I think, of sort of like laying out the pitch to each person and sort of like, you know, not just doing it cheaply. Yeah. Um, th- Joel breaks it to them that they have to, the vote will be different this time. Instead of voting on the iPad, essentially, they have to do it live and in person. So to their faces. So I, and I thought this was a great way to, it, it led to some bigger moments. Um, Shake decides to vote for bananas. Uh, Corinne decides to vote for bananas. So uh, bananas is racking up to start. Then we get to Omarosa. Omarosa goes, my roommate is a ray of light in this house of darkness, talking about Amphisa. But my vote, 
goes to my greatest adversary. And I was like, oh, she's giving it to Bananas. And then she goes, I cast my vote for Tanisha. And it is a big moment of just yeah. like, oh, shit. Like the fact that – and she cites her son Aiden and sort of like – and I, I wonder – I wonder if it shifted people. Yeah. I, I mean, I think maybe Jax and Tiffany were pretty set in going in, but like, I feel like Amarosa gave them, I also like the idea that Amarosa gave them permission to vote for Tanisha. Yeah. Like if I'm, I'm the biggest, other than bananas, I'm the biggest game player, right? I'm right. the one who focuses on, you know, manipulative gameplay. If I'm voting for Tanisha, you have the permission to vote for Tanisha. Right. I think that's part of it. Well, and there is a world where you can think of the emotional gameplay as manipulation. Right. Like, I don't, I, I do think that it was sincere. Like, her argument was sincere. But if you are using those arguments to then win something, is that inherently villainous? Kind of? Yeah. Like, it's definitely selfish, but selfish is not a bad thing, it's a neutral thing. So, like, but selfishness is a facet of villainy. So, I don't... It kind of goes to, like, what we were saying, like, well, what we saw with Survivor this season. Right. Like, D, if you watch that final Tribal Council, makes a lot of the point of, like, yeah, I didn't make the flashiest moves. And there was so much focus on, like, Jake wanting to make a flashy move and Austin making flashy moves with idols. But I didn't focus on that. I dealt with the game as it moved and so my relationships dictated that yeah and that's i think i think people overthink it to a certain regard like when you are such a strategic player sometimes you don't live in the moment of sort of like how am i convincing people how am i getting on people's side to where they're going to want to give me the money yeah that's part of the game like that's like that's really the core part of the game i would say at the end of the day joel uh then goes Human lava lamp. Sorry, Johnny Fairplay. Because Johnny Fairplay is this like zoot suit that's like, oh, yeah. like, yeah. And then Fairplay, like, this was awkward to me. Again, this was kind of survivor brained. Like, it was like, like a little too like overly serious in certain regards. He basically like, well, Anfisa, like, Omarosa basically told you what to do, so I'm not voting for you. And then he goes like, Tanisha, I love you, but you sat there and said, I play with integrity, with honesty. I never fucked anyone over. This is House of Villains. I love this, and I love the integrity of this, and I love fucking people over. Guess what, Bananas? You have my vote. There you go. I like people that play the fucking game. And everyone's like, what the fuck? Like, like, calm down. Like, That's a lot of emotion for safe. Exactly. It's a lot of emotion for not winning <laughs> like jeez it's just like again why are you so angry like i don't get the like anger that like the pot i the possibility that tanisha could win yeah and not again not looking at what she's doing as strategic gameplay right yeah it's frustrating and then like it just is awkward and like everyone's looking at him weird and joel breaks the tension by going the man dressed as the carpet from the shining has spoken <laughs> <laughs> They get to Jax. Jax says, look, Tanisha made it to the end by barely doing anything. And, like, that's a villain to me. Like, which I guess, like, I, 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 it was a weird way for Jax to put it. I'll say that much. But also, Jax is new to this vibe. So, yeah. it's fine. But she, he decides to vote for Tanisha. Then they get to Tiffany. And, and she goes, Joel, I'm so glad you're standing here because I feel like I can be honest 
and speak from the heart. And Joel's like, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) And it's classic Tiffany. Just like everything I wanted. Tiffany goes, typically, bananas turn me on. (laughs) Whether grilled or chopped up in a bowl of shredded wheat. I'm like, grilled? What? (laughs) Who is grilling bananas? A banana is going to give you that potassium that your bone density needs and craves. It's like, where is she going with this? And I thought long and hard about Johnny's banana. (laughs) (laughs) My heart is with you, but my head, my heart, and my feet are with Tanisha. (laughs) (laughs) My feet are with you. It's just like, God damn it. She's fucking funny. Like, uh, At this point, there has to be a level of it that's intentional, right? Yeah. It, oh, oh, it's so intense. It's so like, I I imagine she scripts this in her head beforehand. Like, yeah, but like, I feel like maybe she's just that extra. Yeah, that's just who she is. Oh, for sure. But like, at a certain point, it's like, you, how, how are you this extra <laughs> all day every day? Yeah, you know how. How? <laughs> How? How? Oh, God. So it's then a 3-3 split at this point. And so they're essentially in a tie. But then they were like, well, Amphisa, you didn't get any votes, so you're eliminated. But that also means that you're the deciding vote. And I love the twist of just like, Amphisa's the one that decides all of this. Like, like, the, like... Like and I think she even says like how the tables have turned basically like mm-hmm. you know I I thought it was fun like the like she was discounted this entire time and then kind of it's the deciding factor in it um, she basically is like hinting to both of them um, but then eventually like throws in Banana's face like I don't have to listen to your jokes anymore and then votes for <laughs> Tanisha and Tanisha wins and she's excited and like yeah and there's like fireworks and there's like she it's it's great and Bananas was just kind of like yeah that's what happens like I I he kind of just I again I need someone to do like some interview with him or something to just figure out like what was the decision behind the Tanisha it, it's funny thing. because Bananas and Fair Play are so similar in many regards, but Fair Play has such an explosive bad loser vibe mm-hmm. where Bananas is just like, oh, yeah, I lost this one, but I've won a whole bunch. So yeah, I, he doesn't have as much of an ego. Yeah. I'll say, like, I, again, I, I don't... Like, he has ego in that he knows he's good. Right, but not ego to where like he has he to feels prove like he himself. Has, right, right. And there was always that underlying thing with fair play too, of just like he kind of always felt like, well, I never won, but I'm considered this, so I have to like prove that. And I'm like, I get, I, I, I would have to watch back fair play seasons. I also think that fair play gets overplayed sometimes. Like I think he's known for the grandma moment, but like I don't know if he was the best strategic game player on Survivor. No. No, I actually think he's more of an emotional game player than he gives himself credit for. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But Tanisha wins. It was exciting. I'm I'm happy for her. I thought it was a great end to a really great fucking season. Honestly. Really great stuff. And I would, again, bring this back for another season. Like, there's there's plenty of villains you can work with and and do stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, So let's move on to the newest episode of Real Housewives ultimate girls trip god i am loving this fun this is my i think this is becoming my favorite season of girls trip 
Uh, like close, like season one is kind of close, but like I think this one's my favorite. I mean, nothing will ever beat season one's theme song. Sure, no, but they should at least try to beat it. They should try. Like I feel like maybe they they gave up after the first season because they were like, "Well, we're never going to hit it, so we're just never going to try." And it's like, oh. But you could land in the vicinity. Yeah. And still give us something iconic. You have not even attempted. No. No, the season's great. The season's fucking fabulous. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. We start the episode and Sonia is... So Martin, or Martine, is, uh, who's the attendant for them, like is bringing them almond milk for the, the coffee. And Sonia just like doesn't want him in the room. She's very much like, no, I don't need him. I don't need like an attendant and like in the room all the time or whatever. But a Ramona is like wanting to like... To, it's like... I need the shower pressure to be. I I need to work on my Ramona impression. It's very. And I, you'll see it progress throughout the the episode. <laughs> but like the temperature is not right for her. Like she's right. Very, there's uh, Ramona's. I I laugh at it, but like her sort of like again the bossing around of the staff. She does it later too, where it's like, okay, I'm gonna wear like this dress and I need this themed and like so it's like okay, he's not here to like steam your clothes. Like what? Like. Ramona is, I feel like, the prototype Karen. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. she's, the, she's the, uh, the original. She's the original Karen. And <laughs> she's so good at it because she can do it in a way that you're offended but also entertained. Yeah. There's a franticness to it where it kind of, like, takes right. you off your game. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. There, there's, there's a case study to be done on Ramona Singer. Yeah. Sonia has wrapped a bathing suit around her head now randomly for like some reason. And then Ramona's going, you look like you have a toothache. <laughs> <laughs> it really looked like she had like the, like, like a toothache in the sixties or whatever. Yeah. With the big white, like sheet wrapped around your head. Yeah. Um, Kelly is doing yoga in the morning. Uh, she's doing it just with the trainer or whatever. I love it. One, it's very Kelly. She just goes, I have unprompted talking to the trainer. I just have so much energy because like I eat well, I sleep well. I try to do nice things for other people. <laughs> Kindness keeps you young. Okay. Kelly really is. Kelly's the epitome of telling, not showing. <laughs> like like that I, when you really boil it down and yet she has the nerve to tell Kristen we don't want your narration stop narrating <laughs> but you're gonna narrate yeah every chance you get uh it's amazing uh, uh Martine is going over the itinerary for the day rather reminding these are lovely how do you print them up it's so gorgeous <laughs> <laughs> again I think that's kind of more Shannon Medora but whatever um so basically so, two sides of the same coin honestly sure um sonia's arranged a yacht trip uh to start the day and then Kristen is doing the dinner for the night it's like neon themed um they are they're talking by the pool luann says i heard you had some like skinny dipping party last night and we see the flashback to it yeah so sonia sonia just like cupping Kristen and like following him going you got boobs <laughs> Like, yeah, she has boobs, Sonia. <laughs> uh, uh, there's something about Sonia that's just like, uh, she's you, like, you can't be mad. You can never be mad at Sonia. Yeah. Kristen's like, all I remember was like Sonia butt naked. And then Dorinda goes, I was like, is that your vagina or is it a Brillo pack? 
Oh my god. <laughs> Too much. Um so there Luann, Kristen, and Dorinda are talking, but Kelly's on the other side of the pool and she's on like the phone taking calls. She says she has, I guess she is doing like real estate stuff now, which I guess is, I don't think she's lying about that part because there were, they did show like articles where she's made like $5 million and like, you know, done massive amounts of stuff in that. So she's like, it's a work thing or whatever. Um, but Kelly's like distracted as, you know, she goes off to sort of talk on the phone. Kristen's like, yeah, we have like a recap of what happened the night before, but like it kind of went backwards. And then we go to like 20, 25 minutes before this of Kelly and Kristen talking and Kelly just going, people are going to like you because you know, you're not opening up. We just, we don't know anything about you, Kristen. And Kristen goes, who's we? <laughs> Kelly goes, I can tell you how the fans are going to feel. I can tell you. I know how they're going to feel. Why is it? When did Kelly become this like arbiter for the fans? Like, like was this? Because I don't remember this like season three or four. I I don't either. But I the the you're not being sincere. You're not being real. That's not real. Is very on brand. Yeah. Dorinda breaks it down to Kristen and Luann. She goes, you know what it is? It's this thing of, you know, I'm more important. Oh, look at you. You're in a bikini doing leg lifts and on the phone doing business. Multitasker. <laughs> She's jealous because you're integrating, being present with us. You're making the effort. And then Luann links it together. She goes, look, there's that competition. It's the I'm here, you're here, and does the hand motion. And it's like, yeah. It's like as much as I fucking hate Bethany Frankel now, like, god damn it, she was right in that fight. Kelly does have a superiority element to oh, her. Oh, yes. Where it is about sort of, like, putting herself above other people. And, like, it's it's erratic in the way she does it, and it's crazy in the way she does it, to where you kind of lose sight of, like, that's the reason mm-hmm. as to why she's doing it. And I would love that, anal- like, analyze deeper, maybe, <laughs> sort of, like, why she feels the need to do that. Well, the thing is, is that Kelly doesn't need to be first but she can't be last yeah and this is this is you see this because she doesn't go after everyone right right she only goes after who she thinks is the low person in the group or well the because lo- in on original brony who was the the least rich out of all of them alex well no and- it wasn't alex it was bethany well bethany really rich yes but I think like, Bethany was the lowest in that group in terms of yeah probably at the time in terms of success in terms of notoriety and ter- all of these things right right so like she decided she was like well I'm not going to be last place in this group it'll be Bethany so I have to make sure Bethany knows she's in last place but in this she- group she does the same thing with Kristen she's like you're the one that's been off the TV. You know, like, you're not notable. Nobody even knows who you are. Right. Like, you're not important. So you are in last place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as I'm not in last, I'm fine. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, uh, Kelly comes by and Luann's like, yeah, you can, like, go into your room if, you know, they make the calls. Kelly goes, like, you know, I didn't mean to interrupt you guys. And Dorinda goes, oh, you're not interrupting us. We're having a grand old time. Like, (laughs) Dorinda was poking a little bit. Like, like, with this, like. But she always does. Yeah. Dorinda's really great at the digs you can't get mad at. Yeah. Dorinda, like, leans over to Luanne and goes, like, do you want to listen to it? And Kelly goes, did you hear what I was talking about? And Dorinda goes, I really don't care. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and then out of no, as it's about to like sort of like like the the tension is like simmering. Sonia just runs in with her tits out and goes, "Can you take my boobs?" <laughs> Dorinda, and Dorinda's like, "Oh God, okay, I got a job to do." And her name's Sonia Morgan. <laughs> and then we just get the full compilation of like her taping Sonia because Sonia was also bringing this up in like past episodes at dinner, like like that her boobs need to be taped and sort of like like I uh, Sonia. <laughs> So in her confessional goes, I know I have to use boob tape at this point if I want them popping Nepalias. What? And then she goes, it's a flower. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, wait, wait, what? Does she mean like Nepales, like the cact- like cactus flowers? <laughs> like, Or does she mean like poinsettias? Like, what does she mean by it's a flower? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, and then there's the fact that. Well, I know, no, no. She has no idea what the mammary glands look like under the skin. No. That kind of looks like a flower. Sure. I don't think that was that deep. I don't think it was that deep. It was literally skin deep. <laughs> Kelly is talking to Ramona as everyone else is away. And she's like, I got reprimanded for working this morning by the pool. And basically, it's like, Dorinda's like just going after me. Ramona's it's not what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it isn't, isn't. She, like, was, she was literally just saying, hey, if you need some privacy, like go to your room, but also be considerate that this is a public area and we're not wanting to sit here and whisper all the time. So maybe go to your room. Sure. Um, Ramona says that Dorinda has attacked her incessantly the last time they were on the show, which, sure, that was, I mean, it, Dorinda's last season was bad in terms of sure. going at people. And I don't remember Ramona being as bad that season. But, like, Ramona earns it a lot of the time more than not. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Ramona goes, but look, she always has, like, a loving, forgiving side. And Kelly goes, loving. Like, I felt, like, I felt, like, in love with her. Like, when I got here, I was like, you're my new love crush. Like. <laughs> what are you smoking? And can you share? Yeah, it's so weird. And she, yeah. I don't know. I I was like, there's highs and lows with Kelly's like feelings, I guess. But I'm like, I don't even know if it's like a gen. I I feel like she's just saying stuff to say stuff. And Ramona's is like, look, well, I can't go into the water today. You know, I'll have to watch you guys. And <laughs> Kelly goes, I have to go into the water. Like my hair is like so dirty that it's like literally like barking at people. Like you have a shower, but also what? <laughs> it's so dirty. It's barking at people, huh? <laughs> I. And Ramona's like, well, I didn't know hair could bark. And then she like feels her Kelly's forehead and goes, Are you okay? <laughs> like <laughs> I realized in this part though, Kelly is kind of you know who Kelly has a vibe of? You remember that Kristen Wiig character on SNL where someone like says, like, Yeah, you know, I I uh got milk at the store and she's like, Yeah, I got milk at the store too, and I yes. and like Oh my god, yes. Where she's it's always the one upping of the story yep. or mm-hmm. sort of like making mm-hmm. them the center of the mm-hmm. story. That's Kelly in a way. Yeah. Like she has that underlying vibe. They all get into the vans. Um Sonia's just like is spraying some like tanning stuff or whatever on her legs and goes, Whose stuff is this? I found it in the garbage can. And I'm just like spraying it on my legs. <laughs> like, I, oh God. Okay. Mm. Dur, uh, Luann, Dorinda, or Luann, Kelly, and uh, Ramona are talking in the car. And Luann is like, you know, it got pretty intense last night. And Kelly's like, Dorinda called me a cunt. <laughs> Which, no, no, she didn't. She called you cunty. <laughs> Which is. And she didn't even call you cunty. She said you did something cunty. Sure. Kelly goes, she got vile because I was telling Kristen to stop narrating our scenes. And Luann goes, well, I see her point of view. 
Luann was like, <laughs> I felt bad because Luann is definitely Kelly's only friend, like outside of this, but like is like trying so hard to just like <laughs> deal with the crazy. <laughs> Kelly calls Kristen a fan again, and Rem- and Luann's like, you can't keep calling her a fan. Like you can't keep doing that. Um, Kelly and Ramona is basically, I think Kelly's the one that's like obsessed with the fan base at the end of the day, Yeah, which is probably true. I think she has a reason to be because I, I think she's coming in with a lot of people. Like she is think she is crazy. Yes. But I also think there can be a toll on you when the whole world thinks you're crazy. Sure. And like, but she earned that. Right. <laughs> like. We only think she's crazy because she showed us she's crazy. And then she came on here trying to prove she wasn't crazy and has yet doubled down on the crazy. Yeah. So I don't, I don't understand. Does she think she's doing herself favors with this? Uh, Maybe. I think she's like getting ahead of it in her mind. But again, it's like. I think there is. so. But here's the thing. I do think there's a tendency with some of the. Rony women do it a lot. Where, like, they get in their heads about the fan base and what they want in many ways. Like, I would argue Dorinda does that to a certain extent. Like, I think she... I, I saw a lot of people being like, I actually really love Dorinda this season more than recent seasons of stuff. Because, like, it does feel like she's mellow and not trying as hard. Yeah. Like, I do think with Dorinda... Maybe it's because the show's ended. Like, maybe because the original Roni's, like, dead. Yeah. Like, she doesn't feel she has to try to get back. Right. Like, and... I think Kelly could benefit from that because I do think if she was just like weird and quirky and fun in other ways that she would be, I mean, in fairness, I'm loving Kelly this season, but only because I love messes and like people that are just like that. I would eat her off a cliff if I was on this trip. 1000%. Don't get me wrong. But there's a difference between what I enjoy on the other side of the screen and what I would enjoy in person because when I'm on vacation, I don't want this. Yeah. Luann is like, look, it's, you know, with the whole Kristen thing, it's just good to know about all the things that we're talking about. So we, you know, we can engage more like, yeah, like basic, like sort of, yeah. Like she, the fact that she has to explain this to Kelly and then Kelly's like, or Luann's telling Kelly to relax and just like pets her hair. Like she's a dog. (laughs) Well, it was barking. Yeah. (laughs) Kelly's like, look, I'm not touching Dorinda with like a 10 foot pole today. I'm keeping my distance. (laughs) Ramona just goes, let's just all just have fun today. Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, they arrive uh, to the yacht that Sonia's rented. Um, you pointed out they're they're going down the uh, oh and and they're like, "Where do we go in from?" And Ramona goes, "You have to go to the far right." And you were <laughs> and like, I was like, "Well, <laughs> uh, when are you going to Mar-a-Lago next?" Uh, <laughs> they all. Uh, they then take a boat, a smaller boat, to the yacht. Uh, to and oh my god, I love when they get on. Uh, the captain Jocko uh, like introduces himself to everyone. Sonia just immediately goes up to him and goes, "Do you know the Brave Goose?" And he's like, "The Brave Goose." She goes, "It's my ex husband's yacht." <laughs> like, why? Why would he know that? <laughs> do you do you think that all like yacht captains like have a a list in their brains of all yachts. Yeah. I just, I don't. Okay. She goes, it's a little bigger than this one. <laughs> it's not the weirdest thing to say. First thing seeing someone. 
Uh, they ch- it's a beautiful. I I want to uh, as uh, again uh, yachts are kind of like my rich like fantasy dream. Like, uh-huh. I would I you know it becomes stereotypical, but like yeah, I would love to like just eat and drink on a yacht. Like that would yeah. be great. Um, they get like the some of them jump in the pool and they get like stuff out. Uh, they bring out the giant hot dog floaty, which leads Luann to say like fifty times, like in a two minute span. Let's get on the hot dog. Guys, I, are you getting on the hot dog? We're going to go get on the hot dog. I was so done with this stupid fucking hot dog. <laughs> <They> were, <laughs> anyone want to ride the hot dog? We're going to go ride the hot dog. <laughs> like, it, and it was, it really was just an excuse for Luann to make as many corny hot dog jokes as possible. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, Which is funny because she acts so fucking horny on this trip. And then doesn't bite. Yeah, it's really kind of a performance. Yeah, to a certain regard. It's like all this bouncing around reminds me of my last date. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> um, they spot a turtle at one point. And they do they yell turtle time, and that that was a fun. At least there's like sort of like fun callback moments. Um, it's a lot of just like remember when <laughs> sort of thing. Um, Sonia, <laughs> as as Luann and Dorinda are riding the hot dog, because uh, it's like one of the ones where you like. To get tethered to the boat and they ride. Uh-huh. So we just cut to Sonia is like flailing in this hot tub. She like can't get her balance like sitting down and it's just like all like limbs spread out just like flailing all over the place. Well, that's Sonia. Yeah. Um, they shower Luann and Dorinda shower off and Luann blasts herself in the face with the shower head by mistake. <laughs> it's like so Luann gets blasted in the face after riding a hot dog. It rides itself. Yeah. Okay. Um, Simona, Simona, oh my God, that's their ship name. Sonia and Ramona are in matching, uh, bathing suits that say like, we like to party on it. <laughs> it's just like, I'm glad to see them together. Like it, as much as Ramona yeah. is a, I mean, well, they're both messes, but like Ramona is this particular kind of mess that shouldn't be on television. I like that we have some of these moments with them because they are kind of a dynamic duo. And honestly, I would be fine with Ramona on this situation right Mm -hmm. i don't need to see her in real life where she's like interacting with the outside world in this enclosed environment where she can be the right level of problematic yeah i'm fine i was thinking for a second i was like what if they did ramona and sonia in like a crappy lake show and then I, i immediately was like no, I bet that was probably even pitched to them and they went with Luann specifically mm-hmm. because Ramona mm-hmm. could not do that show. Mm-hmm. It would be way too problematic and fucked up. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Um, Kristen says uh, the rosé is kicked in and it seems like they're all getting along really nicely. And Luann goes, I know, like last night you were at each other's throats. Uh, Kelly goes, I mean, I was just trying to protect her because I know how bad it can be. I mean, like, I forget it. Like, you know, I just want her to be like well received. She's a beautiful girl with a great life. <laughs> like, and during this, like, I think she was being well received. I mean, here's the thing. Kelly's saying like the fans, but like Dorinda's like, well, she's being well received with us. So like, what? Like, and also the rest of the fandom watching this fucking loves her. Yeah. So Kelly, you were wrong. I also think it's weird being on like a tri- like. I get it that it's like on girls trip they break the fourth wall a lot right but it's it's weird just being like i'm worried about the fan base watching us right now instead of like me enjoying this vacation yeah you know what i mean like that that is a little too it's just ironic that Kristen is the breakout star of this 
of this girl's shirt. Yeah, Kelly really. Kelly's like, th- I'm sure Kelly's like thanking herself, being like, "Thank you, I did that." Like, <laughs> you know, you know, she's doing that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Dorinda's like, I thought. I mean, she was being like brave and honest. Like, I don't think she needs advice. And Kelly goes, "I'm not having this conversation in front of Dorinda." She called me a cunt. <laughs> Dorinda is like. Dorinda's confused because she was like, we were fine after the dinner last night. What happened? And then they cut later to a clip of her in this car coming back from the dinner, apologizing for calling her cunty in the van. and saying, But she's like, I'm sorry I used that word. It's a British word. <laughs> it's not a British word. I mean, I get that it's like. But also, using- you're not British. You don't live in Britain. I mean, she does look like Princess Di, which Kelly does, does point out. She does look like Princess Di. She can get the pass. Um, Dorinda leaves and and then comes. I forgot. She, did she literally just go to the bathroom? Because like, people were like, "Is she pooping?" Like, <laughs> but I think she literally just went to the bathroom and came back for some reason. Dorinda goes, "Listen, Kelly," and Kelly goes, "You call me a cunt." Dorinda goes, "I called you cunty." <laughs> Dorinda's like, "You want to divert and not deal with things? I think you're jealous of her." <laughs> and then, uh, and then like it, they just start like battling or whatever. Dorinda then goes, I watched Scary Island. Remember when she was talking in the midst of everyone at the dinner? And I'm like, oh, that's here's the, that's the under that's the undercover meanness of Dorinda. Like she know here's the thing. She knows the Scary Island thing will hurt Kelly in a way. Yeah. Like like she and, and I'm I I it's not as bad and I love and I love Dorinda bringing this up, but it's like that's where it's like she Dorinda knows the pinpoint to just sort of jab like the right sort of like jab to like really break you down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and kelly just goes oh i love it remember when i wasn't there talking about dorinda i'm gonna tell you everything because i watched it <laughs> and it's like oh is dorinda a fan now too i guess she, she says her confessional what are you fanning again why are you fanning again and do you want an autograph <laughs> Jeez. um ramona decides to just like be like can i say something with all you women and then toast to sonia for like putting the gate the day together so they break off this fighting basically it was basically a transition of like shut up so we can move on um luann then goes to check on kelly on the side luann goes look i don't want them to get the wrong impression of you because i know who you are dorinda goes all a taco (laughs) when you push the wrong button like defense with her doesn't really work kelly's like I have so much fucking stress. I work so fucking hard and starts crying. And Luann, of course, Luann goes, me too. (laughs) Which is so Luann, like classic Luann. Kelly goes, but I do it all by myself. And having her be such a bitch. And like with Kristen, like I try to be nice because I know what it's like. When the fans see her, you know, talk like that, they're going to be like, what is she doing? Luann's like, Kristen's a big girl. And Kelly goes, she's going to lose all of her endorsements. Everything. (laughs) What? (laughs) She's going to wait at the, at the most Kelly, of what you, if if you think that we are going to perceive Kristen how you think we're going to perceive her, at the most we're going to be like ah she wasn't that great ah she seems this way she's going to lose her endorsements what is she going to get canceled like what I guess <laughs> she's not entertaining enough we're canceling her yeah and then Kelly goes to Luann I'm fine I'm good I'm having the best time ever and Luann's like really like it's, it doesn't seem like it. <laughs> <laughs> like this this doesn't give the the vibe of that Lu, uh the topic of like the phone call earlier and like her stress with work comes up and Luann's like but like just like go in the other room and Kelly's like I wanted to get some sun I hadn't got any sun 
And Luann's like, you look very tan for someone that doesn't have any sun. Luann is so over Kelly. In this <laughs> but Luann's like, look, I gave you all the advice. You, you know, I just want you to have more of a fun time than even you realize that you can or whatever. Right. Like trying to spin it. <laughs> Kelly in her confessional then goes, Luann always has my back. Like, it's like she says things, but also wants to give you like a word hug. That's what I feel. Like she's giving me a big, big, scrumptious word hug. Like an SAT word, a big one. Oh my God. You're really proving Bethany. I really wanted to believe that Bethany was wrong about you, but my God, no. No, it's literally everything. That, it's everything that we thought about you, Kelly. A big, scrumptious word hug. You just make up shit that's not real. That's not I, a real thing. It is now. I'm incorporating that into my daily lexicon. Yeah. Scrumptious word hug. Um, they're all about to dock off, et cetera, and end the, the yacht trip. And then the wind blows Luann's hat, like, flying off of the boat. She goes, no, get that. Get that. I'll jump in for it if I need to because I love that hat. I got it in San Tropez. <laughs> Very Saint-Tropez. <laughs> and then also, again, another callback. Luann can't get the doors open, the like the, the those glass fucking screen doors, just like Kelly couldn't yeah. <laughs> during that. Again, just like great callback work. I love yeah. it. Um, they go back to the villa, and they're all getting ready for Kristen's uh, neon night. Um, there's <laughs> Kelly and Kristen are the first by the bar, sort of just being like, yeah, you look great. And then it's just awkward silence between the two of them as they wait for, like, anyone else to show up. Kristen's like, why am I always stuck with Kelly? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I hate being... I, I felt that because I've been that person before where it's, like, someone... And not even someone you hate, but, like, someone you just don't know enough. And you're just, yeah. like, sitting there in quiet waiting for somebody to, like, introduce themselves to, like... Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Very that vibe. Um, oh, my God. Luann in that blonde pop. Oh, God. That thing's awful. Oh, it was bad. It just didn't like certain hair just doesn't work for certain people. And Luann needs needs long and flowy. Like I'm yeah. like she, I mean, she had a bob, I guess, for a period, but like still, like it no no. Um, Luann's like, where are all the people? And Ramona goes, yeah, Kristen, who'd you invite? Like, what guys did you invite? And Kristen's like, it's just like us. Like we're and they're like pissed about it they're just like where are the hot guys that we can like party with you wouldn't have used any of them anyway sure but i will say like i agree that it's like what like you again what is going to happen like right at the end of the day but two i also understand from their perspective of like when i think neon night i don't think like seated dinner right i think we're turning up in a club i think foam party i think yeah you know you know, glow sticks. I think, you know, all sorts of stuff like that. I don't think quiet night in. No. Kristen in her professional goes, Luann already wrote a hot dog today. Does she really need another one tonight? <laughs> um, they all sit down for dinner. Um, and also what Martine was doing, he, he, he gives them their food and it's like, let's start your dinner with Marina scallops. Marina scallops is the name of the girl who had an orgasm with the scallops. I'm like, what don't know like they can be sexy like flirty like you know uh whores you can't do that like you can't no i it it doesn't work the same way no it doesn't hit the same way also i need to hear this story yeah it's like what (laughs) like it was i think was it a real no no it can't be a real story it had to be something like he made up i don't know yeah (laughs) 
Um, Dorinda then starts and goes, I got a question. How many people admit that they would have, a, uh, that they've had a threesome? <laughs> and so they're all like, like some people are raising their hands. So you goes, I mean, like, yeah, like suck on somebody's titten and some, and somebody's dick is in your back. Uh, what? <laughs> Sony um, will just say anything. Can you imagine, can you imagine what a Sonya Morgan sex tape would look like? I feel like. Honestly, I think it'd be entertaining. It would yeah, be. It would I wouldn't be watch. I wouldn't watch it for sexual gratification at but all. But I would definitely watch it with like a good drink and like uh, a bowl of popcorn. I would watch absolutely. It with, I would watch it with a bunch of housewives fans as yes. like an event. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like the, this is a pay per view event. <laughs> um, Luann talks about like going on a date once with a guy who was like investing in a dating app for thruples, like mm-hmm. playing all of the threesome conversation. And Ramona goes thruples. Thruple? Like, what is it called? <laughs> like, the idea... Ramona knows what a thruple is. Like, I think she's... Ramona plays, like, really, like, nicey-nice. And well, like, I think she knows what a threesome is. I don't know if she's never... If she's necessarily encountered the idea of a thruple. Right. I mean, like, yeah. She, here's the thing. She needs a, a man first. Like, right. I, ever since... Ma- I need her to settle down, and hopefully she'll calm down after... Se- well, maybe not, because she was a mess with Mario, too, but... Yeah. It's kind of in her being. I just want Ramona to change so bad so she can, like, be uh-huh. passable enough to be on television. Anyway. Uh-huh. I know it's not going to happen, but whatever. Nope. Luann then starts telling this, like, longer story. She's like, yeah, so I was, like, 25 years old, like, living in New York, and I'm, like, green as the day is long. Like, I'm from Connecticut. Like, I never... And then you just hear, cling, 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 cling. And Luann's like, what? What's happening? <laughs> And Kelly goes, so I just wanted to thank Kristen so much for this amazing dinner. <laughs> so he goes, she's in the middle of a story. Like, what? what? <laughs> Kelly goes, oh, sorry. I thought you were finished. Anyways, let's just do a quick toe. She doesn't care. Like, that was so rude. <laughs> I, I felt, and you can tell Luann felt really offended. <laughs> and I get it. Because it's like, I can give you a, like, I get that you make up, like, word hug. I can give you that. You can't be this rude and blame it on your quirkiness. <laughs> it was so fucked up. <laughs> It was it was perfect because it's like housewives levels fucked up because it's like, yeah, that's fucked up. It's rude. I'm going to be angry about it on a personal level, but I'm not like morally outraged as a viewer. This is the perfect level. Yeah. Right. Of problematic. <laughs> this is what it needs to be. Take notes, other housewives. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kelly then goes, you know, it's so nice to just be with everyone. I know you guys don't know that, you know, I'm under a lot of stress right now. You know, I've been moving out of my family home in one month, you know, forever. <laughs> like, I, love, I love that she added the forever part. Like, I mean, typically people don't move back to, I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. And I love the Ramona's going, that's traumatic. That's traumatic. <laughs> like trying to like, okay, let's give Kelly this. Like she seems to be going towards the right path of like yeah. reconciliation. Yeah. Like, but Ramona is solidly on team Kelly, I feel like. Oh, you think? No, I think she knows Kelly's crazy. No, no, no. She knows Kelly is crazy, but I think that she's... If you were to split the cast down the middle... She would go to Kelly's side. She would go to Kelly's side. Probably. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, she goes, I didn't mean to be on the phone in front of you guys. Like, I'm not saying that your time isn't, any va- is as val- isn't as valuable as mine. You know, I'm just under a lot of stress. And Dorinda, like, I fell in love with you when I met you. Like, I had, like, the biggest crush on you. 
And when you call me a cunt and Ramona goes, okay, no, 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 we're going backwards. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) It started so good. And Dorinda just goes, you're turning it to yourself. And Kelly goes, it's not about you. It's about me. Luann goes, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Luann is done and then just storms off, like, pissed. She's just like, what the fuck at this point? She says to her confessional, what we're saying doesn't penetrate Kelly, and she doesn't seem to mind. She's kind of good with it. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's really the nicest way to put uh, put the point of, like, she won't fucking listen to us. Yeah. Or not, or not just listen to us, but like listen to reason. Dorinda goes like, "What do you want me to do?" And Kelly goes, "I just want you to enjoy your life." Like, like what does that mean? I what? Yeah. Like, like uh, Luann sits back down and goes, "You're on your." Own. She literally tells Kelly, "You're on your own now." <laughs> like, I'm not helping you. Kelly goes, "You don't just say to someone you're a fucking cunt who talks like that." And Dorinda goes, "You can't drop bombs and say I want to have fun." And Kelly goes, "I can do whatever the fuck I want, Dorinda. You don't own me." <laughs> I, I, oh, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Luann then goes, look, tries one more time to get through to Kelly. Luann goes, look, it's not about the words. It's about the actions. And Kelly goes, I am an action verb. Uh, What? Uh, I don't know what to say anymore. Like, And then Luann's like, what the, Luann's basically like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, what? And then the conversation keeps going. And then Kelly goes, look, well, I'm like literally a little bird. Like, why do you want to be mean to me? And Luann goes, oh, so you're a bird now? You're, you went from a verb to a bird. Like, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Uh, Kristen then tries to like reason with Kelly and goes, Kelly, look, I think you're a wonderful woman. I think you have a lot to contribute, but I think that your delivery is so off. You build this wall to protect yourself. And Kelly goes, we both build those walls. We, we both build them. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. Which doesn't even make sense. And Kristen like, is like humoring her. But like, it doesn't even make sense. Kristen's like, I bared my soul to you all. And bet your bottom dollar that the only reason that I didn't want to go on this trip is I had to talk about that shit. Talking about the whole Ashley Madison right. stuff and, the, and all that. She goes, that was really hard for me. And Sonia, <laughs> Sonia goes, you took the wall down. And then she goes, that's cunty. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Sonia. Sonia just loves it. <laughs> Kristen goes, Dorinda called you cunty because you weren't being respectful to what I'm saying now. Look, just take a second and imagine. There's six women here and you're all divorced. <laughs> and then Sonia then starts to get like offended. And Kristen goes, Kristen can like see Sonya getting offended and goes, no, you all went through what I went through and I stuck it out, Sonya. And Sonya goes, oh, like your choice was like the best choice. Like, how dare you? Like to say like, so like now Sonya's like super offended that like she stayed with her. Well, not not that she stayed with her husband, that she feels like Kristen's basically being like, well, I'm better because I stayed with my husband, which no, but she's saying I did something that I think is more difficult. Yeah, I don't think she said it the best way, and I, I think it's it's so great that this like transitions now into a Kristen Sonia fight when Kristen was just trying to find the words to like get through to Kelly, right? 
Like she was like, I'll just say, you know, like I'll, I'll lay down my swords completely, but because I've laid them down, like Sonya is now going to like charge right. me. Sonya and her confessor goes, look, we all know there are people who are still married who hate each other. Like I won't be judging Kristen's marriage. So don't judge my choices, which I get that. I get the sentiment. Whether right. Kristen, that was Kristen's intention or not. Like, and I do agree that like there are just because you're married doesn't mean like things are good. Right. I mean, she was just taking what Luann had said earlier in the week. Yeah. Because Luann had been the one that initially said, well, you're the only one of us that's still married. Right. Like that says something. Yeah. And, and, and just like talk about the difference. You can talk about the difference without it being better than. Right. It's not better or worse. It's a different choice. And that means that she has an experience that the rest of y'all don't have. Right. Kristen then goes, look, everyone has their journey. And now I'm forgetting where we were going with this, like having a brain fart. And Kelly just goes, you are so beautiful. <laughs> Was she trying to call her stupid? I don't know. I think she was. No, I think it was just a train of thought, like the the, the glass clinking for the toast. I think she just has a train of thought that just doesn't. Dorinda's like head first into the table, just like can't even like deal with this. So great. Luann goes, look, I'm going to bed. I have a headache. I think I got too much sun on the yacht. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it was, Luann. Ramona goes, look, can you tell Dorinda that you're ready to move forward with her? And Kelly goes, I just said that like three times. When? when did you say that Ramona in her professional lawyer goes I can't believe I'm being the mediator right now like who would have thunk like, not me very true um, Kelly uh, says look Dorinda says uh, well no Dorinda's like I don't want to do this you know I and you know with you and me this like back and forth like and I we can just like start fresh tomorrow Kelly's like I'm apologizing and Dorinda goes I think I was apologizing and Kelly goes you were Oh my god! And then goes up and hugs Dorinda as this like, like. I don't real. I don't think either of them were apologizing. No. <laughs> what? Dorinda in her confessional goes. Kelly is just a conundrum. It's like dealing with one of those Ruba cubes. <laughs> <laughs> and then as she's hugging Dorinda, Kelly goes, "You know, sometimes when I'm watching you, you look like Lady Di." And Dorinda's like, "Thank you." <laughs> like, she does look like Lady Di. <laughs> Um, Kelly in her confessional goes, this apology means a lot because Dorinda is who she is. If she feels like saying something, she says it. And I like that about her. Do you? <laughs> Cause she just, unless it was her calling you cunty. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> like, uh, Luann. Oh my God. Chris is in the confessional at one point, And Lu- this was such a mood. Luann walks in with a lit cigarette just to rant about Kelly. <laughs> Kristen goes, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and they're just going off about Kelly and the confessional with the, just something about Luann with that short fucking blonde bob <laughs> with a lit fucking cigarette in her hand. It's very, um, it's like neon Chicago. It, it's like neon Chicago. It's also like the weirdest version of AbFab I've ever fucking seen. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh, oh my! Oh, this was also the funniest. If you thought Dorinda had problems with her room and getting out of it, she then decides to go to bed. But she's wearing this choker, this like gold plated <laughs> choker, oh and can't God. figure how to get it off. And she just starts freaking the fuck out. She's Literally like, had to call a producer in to get it off. She's like, I think I'm locked in for the night. Like, I think I'm going to sleep in this thing. <laughs> like, help, help. 
<laughs> I think even her confession was like, it's like literally the manifestation of Kelly. <laughs> like just like, <laughs> I can't get her off of me. <laughs> so some of the ladies, minus Ramona, then decide to go by the pool to just like dip in the pool. <laughs> Luann is by the bar showing Martine the photo of her with the pirate. She's like, yeah, this was the last time that we were here. Martine goes, oh, that was a long time ago. Luann then goes, I look the same as what you're supposed to say. <laughs> Luann just keeps like catching fucking strays this trip, getting called handsome, getting her like talk, her uh, story interrupted by Kelly. Like she's, she's really going through it. Like I feel bad for Luann. Oh my God. Um, Kristen then sits down next to Kelly and goes, you know, did it resonate Kelly at all? What I was saying about like the whole wall being up and Kelly goes, you have just something that you don't like about me. <laughs> At this point, Luann is off to the side. Like, she's not by the pools, but she's like, because it's like an open concept, whatever. Uh-huh. She just goes, I'm not sitting around for this. And then goes and hides behind a wall. Like, maybe they won't see me. <laughs> but she's like standing in the dark, but she's wearing the neon clothes. So she's literally glowing. I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> but she's just like, and then the waiters are just like, like just, she's like, act like I'm not here, <laughs> please. Well, and I felt bad because it's like you're right by the, st- the the stairs to go down to the bungalows, and she's in one of the bungalows, so she can't even leave. Like, uh, Kristen's like, you're like, you know, Kristen, where's your emotions? And I gave that to you time and time again. And Kelly goes, but you didn't, <laughs> but you didn't though. <laughs> when Kelly says you didn't, you did it. Kelly goes, I had more deep conversations with Dorinda than I've had with a lot of people, which at a certain point, like literally as like Kelly's like talking about how much she loves Dorinda, Dorinda's in the pool, literally with a look on her face, just like, what? Like, okay. <laughs> uh, Kristen goes, I keep trying with you. And Kelly goes, you're not the right tool for the right job, Kristen. <laughs> You know, I need nurturing from Dorinda. <laughs> Dorinda says her confessional. It's like a merry go. This is one of my favorite Dorinda metaphors. Dorinda can do an amazing metaphor, and this oh I think, yeah, and this I think is up there. She's like, it's like a merry go round routine. You start on the horse, the pink pony, and then by the time she's done, you're on the black dragon. <laughs> <laughs> and does it make sense? No. Does it perfectly illustrate the? The situation absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly goes, and I'm about to get, oh, this way. And this, I was like, what the fuck? Kelly goes, and I'm about to get really married. And you don't know about that because you don't ask. <laughs> and then Kristen goes, well, you don't tell. <laughs> Kelly goes, everybody else knows. Luann knows. Ramona knows. Sonia knows. Dorinda knows. They then cut to Sonia's confessional where she's just like, yeah, like, I don't know where this is coming from. She says she was, like, dating someone. And, like, <laughs> like you're married? You're getting married? Like, I don't think they like, know that, Kelly. But I also, didn't know that. But also really married. I'm about to get really married. <laughs> Not fake married. Right. Like, what? It's, oh, my God. Also, you're just supposed to know to ask if you're getting married? But that's the crit. So then Kristen goes... Look, I asked if you were dating and you said, you know what you said? It's complicated. Kelly then goes, exactly. What? I mean, technically, yes, marriage is complicated. Engagements are complicated. But how is Kristen supposed to infer that from that answer? I just, 
absolutely cannot with this woman. Kristen goes, you fought over and over with Dorinda at the table. And Kelly goes, because I care. I want her friendship. And that was mean. That was downright rude. And Kristen goes, you don't want mine. And Kelly goes, I like you. <laughs> Kristen's like, I'm done. I'm done. And then just storms the fuck out to the confessional. Sonya's trying to like reason with Kelly. And, but at a certain point, Kelly just is like, no, I only care about Dorinda. And Sonya goes, you're my kind of crazy. <laughs> And then my favorite part of the end is like everyone's like going to bed. Kelly goes up to Dorinda and goes, Am I wrong? And Dorinda goes, I mean, like, I didn't hear any of it, so I don't know. You heard all of it. You were in the pool. <laughs> you were just like, get me out of this conversation. I don't want to fucking like it's gonna go on for another hour. No, really. Because, it, no. Uh it's so great. That's how the episode ends. Another amazing episode of Girls Trip. Just like fucking like some of the best TV right now. It's so fucking good. Uh we're gonna take a quick commercial break and then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of Real Housewives of Miami. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm your Riz. And, and you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling name. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay and His Envy. Let's head on down to Florida, where Lisa learns that being with Jody means checking on his emotional well-being. And Nicole learns that being friends with Adriana means checking for shade on Real Housewives of Miami. Real Housewives of Miami for this week. Uh, this is getting good over in Miami. Like, I think, here's the thing. I think, like, th I, I've seen people being, like, I'm not, like as sold on this season as much as like in past couple i actually think How? it's still i don't know i think it's still been really consistently good yeah I, I i have some seen some people worry about like the ratings and stuff like that i don't think it's like people are like oh god they're gonna cancel it i don't think so because to me 
I think it's got the same ratings as Salt Lake. Salt Lake's ratings actually aren't the best, even though it's been one of the better seasons. Yeah. Well, and Salt Lake's is is coming off of season three, which was objectively kind of a dud. Yeah. And so coming off of season three, you're you're going to have a little bit of a lower rating. I, season five will really see the benefits of season four. Right. As opposed, like this season of Miami is seeing we're just putting it on Bravo. It's off of Peacock now. I saw so many people be like, put it back on Peacock. It's like, guys, it's on Peacock. Like people, I think the other thing with the ratings is like people are watching on Peacock. Like, right. Well, people are watching on Peacock and also like, Again, this is a day and age where ratings don't fucking matter. Like yeah. they really don't. And honestly, like Bravo was filling the slot, they'd have to fill that with something else. They might as well fill it with their own programming right. that they don't have to purchase from somewhere else. Yeah. So, yeah, put your own shit on there. Yeah, I agree. Um we start the episode with this like sort of flash forward to like what we're going to get towards the end of the episode of Alexia just going off on Nicole being like, "You know what you're doing?" and Nicole being like, "Can somebody explain like what is happening?" and this like big sort of like freak out montage at this like Mother's Day luncheon that Nicole's putting on. And so it's left in the air and then we see the big rewind to say the 72 hours before. So mm-hmm. the the tease like was it was a good tease into like what we were going to get later in the episode. Very much so. And because it, it sets it up where you think the bad guy here is Nicole. Sure. And it's like, holy shit, Nicole, what did you do? And well, it it sets it up to where you think the bad guy is Nicole. It also sets it up for it to be like, okay, this is the old Alexia again. Like this right. is back to like, you know, sort of Alexia's nastiness. But as my, whether I, whether Nicole is the villain or not is, you know, aside, I think Alexia is justified when we get to what happens. Right. So that also is like a big but surprise. But it's also funny because the fight is between Alexia and Nicole. Yeah. But it's not about either of them. Yeah. So you think it's about a tiff between the two of them. It actually has nothing to do with either of these two people. Right. It's, it's great. Um, that we just see these like quick scenes of like flashing in. Oh my, Lars is like going through just like this random, like <laughs> this felt stage. I'm sorry. This random like rack of clothes in like Lars's living room. She's just like going through, Hey babe, like I have a lot of clothes. I don't know what to wear. And Marcus just goes, I mean, I think we should figure out what you're going to wear underneath those clothes. And Lars just goes, you're really good at that. I don't buy that they're in love whatsoever. It is so a brand. Also, who, and like, who brings a random rolling cart of clothes into the dining room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what are we doing? You like, have a closet, ma'am. Yeah, it's very like performing loving couple. Yeah. Um, we then go to Alexia and she's going furniture shopping for Peter's apartment, his new apartment, and she's going with Peter and Frankie. Um, this is where they kind of talk about sort of the stuff that's been happening in her life since the coming back from the girl's trip, which is that cause like they brought up the, like Frankie asked like what renting is basically. And she's like, you know, that's part of the reason like we have to move out is that we rent, like we didn't buy the unit. And so basically they have to move, move out of their giant fucking, you know, spaceship or like not condo. What is it? When it was it an apartment where it's like that high. It could still be in a, it's, could still be an apartment. Yeah. Well, no, I know it's an apartment. Oh, like, uh, penthouse. Pen, it's like a penthouse. Yeah. But like, yeah, they essentially have to move out of the penthouse apartment because the guy who owns it just like decided to sell it. 
And like, I honestly think that he decided to sell it because of how iconic it is. Like it has now become like the scene of iconic moments on housewives. That sure helps. People want to live in that space. Even from, I mean, I love her. I love the apartment, but even from like, there's that element of it. Then there's the, like Alexia says, like, so the owner decided to sell his apartment and it sold real quick because I made it so beautiful, which that's, I don't think that was a smart move on Alexia's part. Like you renovated that whole ass fucking apartment that you didn't even own. Yeah. Like, I don't think that was the, she says that Todd doesn't like to buy apartments, just like housing complexes, like specific, like specific houses, like doesn't find the point in buying an apartment. But like, I, I just, I wouldn't be renting, especially when they get into it later, they're renting for like in the five digits and I don't get renting like with that that's enough for a mortgage that's what most people make in a year they're spending on rent in a month i just i I just don't get paying that again it was similar with the mia remember me on potomac having those three houses that she rented yeah it's like you're getting uh, you're getting no return off of it so what's the point i think the point is that if you don't have capital that is available to do a down payment you can't necessarily get a mortgage. I guess, but I don't think that's the case with them. I really don't. Like, it seems like Todd's business is... Well, but what I mean is that a down payment is like a certain percentage. So if you've got a multi-million dollar place that you're trying to buy... Sure. If you don't have that, like, 20% down payment just sitting there with on cash on hand then you can't get a mortgage well and it, well i yes i also th- it seems as though like alexia alexia says something about how she's i don't know if this is like coping or whatever maybe it's true that she's like more inclined to like an apartment than a actual house because she's worried that like if frankie has to be there like by himself like it can be a, well yeah because there's staff yeah and well and she's like there's staff at the apartment complex he can go downstairs he can play pool he can do you know a bunch of other things out you know i i think that's probably valid but i also was here's the thing when we get to sort of the stuff progressing in the episode i always wonder what is being what what alexi is being honest about because right. i do get as much as i think what the stuff being brought up is being done in a very messy manner like i do think alexia makes excuses a lot of the times to like create a good story like with the todd stuff like with the yeah. you know oh oh you know he just this is why he didn't come to the party and he was like she loves to like come up with like a reason how much of that do you think is because in more traditional cultures you protect your man and you stand by the man you're with and you make sure that he doesn't look bad because he is the leader of the house i think that's part of it i think it's all i also think it's todd now i now i like I'm trying to think it's Todd more than Alexia. I think Alexia probably would have done that in earlier marriages. Like I've, mm-hmm. I, I don't remember much of it, her doing it in Miami before that in like the original version. But speaking like, of original version, they did some flashbacks later in the episode, and <laughs> you were like, "Oh yeah, jumps, that's Alexia." Jump scared early early seasons Alexia's face. Not that it, it was bad; it it's was just, just different. very different, and it's just not what I was expecting at all. Yeah. And I'm like, "Holy shit, is that the same human?" Have I shown you like the first season Larsa stuff? No, it's worse than the Alexia stuff. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, is that Marisol looks the same. Oh yeah, completely. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just something about like the I, I, again. I'm not trying to critique like plastic surgery by any right. means, but there was an instinct of people to just look like brat dolls at a certain point with and the tiny nose and giant cheekbones. Yeah, yeah. and it's like no, I that works on a brat doll. It doesn't yeah. work on like a human face. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But and then uh, Alexia says that basically they have to be out of the apartment in 15 days. 15 days. Which is like what the fuck? Like, but honestly. If I don't have to worry about packing, like I can pay someone to come in and pack a, pack up and physically move. That's true. I'm just going to have fun. That's two weeks where I get to go shop for luxury apartments. And absolutely, fucking lutely I'm going to do that. Yeah. Like when we, when we, anytime that we've moved, it's been such a, like it's, we've, we like there's to, a stress it, about money. There's a stress about like timelines. Like all she has to do is pick a place yeah. in two weeks, which I can do. Give me a $40,000 a month budget and I will pick a place. Yeah. Very true. Um, we then go to Julia and Adriana and they arrive at Julia's ranch that she's like renovated a little bit. Ranch. Um, ranch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Damn it. Mind. You broke me. It just popped in my head. <laughs> Uh, her ranch. Um, so she basically talks a little bit about like, th- you know, th- how like the ranch stuff has like kind of come into the place that it is now where like the more animals that she got, it just became a more expensive hobby for her. Yeah. Uh, and she's needing to sort of make it profitable at this point. So she's selling some animals and she's also doing some uh, like, tr- like mm-hmm. the eggs and sort of like all that kind of stuff. So, oh my God. To break it down, she has 17 goats. 257 chickens, which is a, it's a lot of chickens, even yeah. for like, I would say most, I mean, I don't, I don't know anything about chicken farming, but like, it seems like a lot, like, unless you're like Purdue, <laughs> like, you know what oh, I mean? Right. Um, two donkeys, five cows, 10 dogs, 11 tortoises. What? I get having one tortoise. Why do you need 11? I, I don't know that on a farm. No. Those are not farm animals. I guess I there's like some like bay. They have like some water stuff, but like no. But again, like one eleven. I just can't like. I, well, and also it's like one. It's like okay, one thing you have like a lot of chickens, then you can produce a lot of eggs. Same with cows or whatever. Right. But it's like well, tortoise- cows don't lay eggs. I'm saying like I, <laughs> I know what you mean. I'm kidding. They produce milk. Is my I'm point. Kidding. But like. What is it? You can't get anything out of having more tortoises. <laughs> like, no. Uh, Julia, but Julia does clarify that Martina doesn't help at all financially with the farm. That it's, they made the basically the distinction that this is your, my project. I'm working on it. I'm not having you be financially dependent on it, which I think is smart. Yes, but also it's not making money and in fact is costing money. So. Is she just putting her housewives check into it? Is that what we're being Maybe. led to believe? I mean, Martina. I mean, it's, what does Julia do outside of being a housewife? That's a good question. I know she used to be a model, right? But I don't know that she necessarily does that anymore. I'm sure she does like small jobs here and there, maybe. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I mean, she can live off of Martina's money if she wants to, right? But, but that's what I'm saying. What is keeping the farm afloat? Sure, but I would, I would bet the housewives checks, yeah, for sure. 
Um, Julia, well, and because it definitely has grown since, yeah, you know, her first season. Um, Julia asked about like how you know how Adriana thought the dinner went and sort of the discussion the, about Lisa. Adriana goes, I mean, I felt like she was being ganged up on. You know, Alexia was trying to give like relationship advice, but I don't know if Alexia is in the position to give a lot of advice. And it's like, okay, at this point, I was like, I. I am happy that Adriana is being as messy as she is in terms of me enjoying this show. Right. I Like, I see a lot of people being like, Adriana is carrying this like she has a mojito. Right. And maybe can, people can argue that she might deserve it the way that she's been sort of contributing. And mm-hmm. I think that's completely fair. What I will say from a just a pure argument level and sort of like a who's in the right level I Adriana's losing a lot of points in that regard uh-huh. because I mean you literally started this season like waving the white flag with Alexia. I mean Alexia didn't know what that meant, but you were still waving it. Yeah, but you clarified it, and then she, <laughs> and then you came to the understanding what it meant. But like at this point, you're not abiding by that. But I just think Audrey, like again, and 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 I think in turn, Alexia and Marisol have done, for the most part, a pretty good job of not leaning too much into the villainry and not being too obsessed with Adriana in return. Like, yeah. like, like they fight with her, don't get me wrong, but I don't think they're as obsessed with her as they were They're not bringing past. it to her. Adriana is always starting shit. Right. So, and then Adriana then continues on and goes, by the way, so uh, since I'm bringing up Alexia, so a little bird told me something about Alexia and Todd. That they're having financial issues. Julia's face this whole time is just like, what are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, you're about to drag me back in the middle of this shit. And I don't want to be there. Yeah. And then I love Julia going, what's the bird? What, what's the name of the bird? And, and Adriana going, can I trust you with the name? Which I was telling you is a callback to season one. Uh-huh. Because she got into this fight once where she brought up some like big rumor or something. And one of the girls was just like, "Like who said? Who told you that? And she goes, little bird. And the girl goes, what's the bird's name? And she goes, birds don't have names. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but she says, can I trust you with the name? And she says, it's Anna Quinones, who was from season two of Miami, who is a fucking mess. I mean, not a mess in terms of, I think she probably has her shit together for the most part, but like I, she is opinionated outside of the show and is not afraid to express it as we've seen. Like she's very cutting. She's like, uh, she says her confessional. Anna and I haven't really spoken in years, and it wasn't until last year she reached out to me after seeing the amount of bullying Marisol and Alexia were doing to me. And oh, like, okay. But, like, that also tells me, like, she hasn't reached out to you in, like, what, nine years when she was last on the show? Mm-hmm. And then suddenly this year she reaches out to you. To me, it does, here's the thing. To me, it feels like she wants an in to get on the show, right? Which which is going to end up happening, and Adriana is fully willing to give that to her. But like, yeah, it's like, well, but they've got a full roster right now. Oh yeah, yeah. They've yeah. got six full time housewives and three friends of that are actively present, not like just you know periphery floaters right. out there. So they've effectively got nine housewives. There's not room for anyone else. Yeah. 
In fact, they kind of need to maybe cut somebody. Ooh. But I don't know who they would cut. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. It feels so full. Like if you start, it it's that. It's that I took like maybe two bites more than I should have at dinner and I'm uncomfortably full. But if I take one more bite, I'm going to see gonna I, yak all over the place. What I can see for Anna, because I remember, th- I don't remember if I liked or disliked Anna on her season. I, I just, didn't watch early season. So yeah, I, don't know. I just remember her being confrontational and, mm-hmm. and liking that aspect. But like. I think she can be – I don't think she can be like a per- – like I said, it would be too crowded to add her as like a friend of. I think she could be like a Kim D. Oh. Where it's very – like you see her for like an episode or two and it's just to stir up shit. Yeah. Like it – I and she kind of is the Kim D of Miami in certain regards, even though she actually was a housewife. Like she I, – I, like – So she's like Denise's this season on Beverly Hills. In for a couple episodes, prominent in the couple episodes she's in, and then goes back home. In terms of the show, yes. I would say in I, I meant more that she's kind of like Kim D in the sense that she's very like she says a lot of shit online. With the podcast that they were playing with I'm not not to drag that podcast, I I I don't I don't listen, but I don't hear bad things. But like that podcast like has like used to have Kim D on all the time. Mm. Like that's where Jacqueline that's the same podcast Jacqueline went on to talk oh, about. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, the stuff from that reunion. So it's like it's a it's a it's a place where some messy people can say some messy shit. Right. And so I think that's kind of part of it. But then so Audrey explains what she heard about Anna heard about uh, Todd's business, but it was so vague. She goes, so Anna said that because the interest rates are high and Todd's business is about loaning, Todd's business is not doing that well. Okay, but that's just like an assumption. That's not right. really like I, like I, I don't think she knows anything about necessarily the direct finances. Right. It's it's very much more of a you're trying to say it's A plus B equals C, but it's really A plus B could maybe equal C. Right. But then she goes, so Anna says that they have to break the lease on their apartment and leave that place, which that's the only part where I'm like, okay, how would Adriana know that they're leaving the apartment at all? Right. That at least gives it some credence in that regard. But I, yeah. And then Julia just goes, how would Anna know? And Adriana's like, she knows them. She's known them for like 25 years. But when we get to what's like late, she hasn't known them for like, she's known Alexia for the time, at least very least from when she was on the show and beforehand, but they've definitely distanced. Yeah. Um, Adriana <laughs> goes, I'm just telling you because you know, we're best friends and I know that you're not going to repeat it. And Jul- the look on Julia's face, Julia just goes, no, no, of course I won't. Obviously. Like <laughs> Julia was so funny. Well, cause, and you could tell how Ju- smart Julia has gotten to the game too. Yeah. Like she's noticed, Oh, I'm going to get blamed for this shit. Yep. Like I'm going to get roped in to this thing. And I want, and I, she's like, I want to work on my relationship with Alexia. I'm actually liking our friendship right now. Mm-hmm. And so I can't be like talking rumors about her finances. Like that's, and, and, yeah, you could. T- I am fascinated, and we'll, we see it a little bit in the mid-season trailer as well. I'm fascinated in this splintering that we're seeing between Julia and Adriana. I'm honestly kind of here for it. Yeah, because I feel like Julia with like w- you could see like last season, Julia felt so um, 
almost hamstringed by her connection with Adriana. Yeah, I think it limited her in certain regards. Very much so. And and it, it you know and but like Adriana is very fucking messy. Like she and she's been she was messy original uh, Miami. Yeah. Like like that's naturally who she is. There's there's also good qualities to her, but like I think Julia is starting to see like I'm going to get dragged into that sort of same boat if I if I don't at least I don't you know I hope she isn't completely cut Adriana off don't get me wrong but like right I have to speak up at a certain point yeah um the producer asked Adriana in the confessional do you believe that they're having financial issues and she just goes I don't make people's finances my problem bitch <laughs> She goes, but to me, it's more than a coincidence. And then she just goes, ding, and smiles. I just, uh, what? Ma'am. <laughs> it's so messy. I don't make other people's finances my problem, says the bitch who just made her, pro- her, her finances her problem. Yeah. I don't, girl. Julia then tells her, just don't be the delivery person. You're going to take all the blame because they're going to say, oh, Adriana's spreading these rumors. You aren't. Anna told you. And and I love that Adriana took that advice and then did what she did later. Right. So like, oh. Um, we then see Lisa uh, going over to Jody's house and he's, they've done like a date, like a dinner date night. And he got, brought this like sushi chef to the house to like make them dinner. In the confessional, Lisa goes, the difference between Jody and Lenny is night and day. Clearly, Jody's hot and Lenny's not. And she goes, we're like magnets. Magnets. And does like a clapping hand motion. Like, we get it. You're fucking. Like, girl. <laughs> also, what is this look? Oh, oh the, the, that, the, the that latex poppy thing. It, well, it looked like the, it. it looked like it was like made out of like red solo cups. Like you, it, you know, like a science project or not a science, okay. like a craft project where like you cut up a bunch of red solo cups to make like a flower. <laughs> like kind of, yeah, yeah. I can see where you're going. It's with not that. my favorite, and Lisa's been hitting it with the confessional looks yeah. like this season. So this was a miss. Um, they literally go out onto by his pool area, and they have the table set up for dinner. And I'm glad that Lisa acknowledged it because I was just like, this is literally deja vu from last year. This is the same dinner that you and Lenny had. What the fuck? Real awkward. Like, but she acknowledged it at the very least. She says, like, this time someone's doing it for me. That's something he who shall not be named would never do. And I was like, okay, but you can't. You can't say he who shall not be named when you say his name, like, for the last, like, half of the season like you said you already it's the most uttered word this season yeah it's it's really no you gotta commit <laughs> uh, commit to the bit yeah um uh jody tells her you know i wanted to give you this like nice you know dinner after everything that you went through on the trip because of clearly lisa told i mean i'm sure lisa told jody like the minute she could you mean lisa vented to jody about something wow yeah that's so rare jody goes like i mean it's just weird like they've been so nice to me like every time i see them i was just so shocked that they would be like getting into my finances and all of that and i'm like that was clearly relayed to him a certain way by Lisa. They didn't get into his... They asked the question of, like, she, he's helping pay for things. Which, sure, could you argue that that's crossing the line? Yes. Yeah. And I, th- and, I, and I understand why Lisa didn't answer that. And fine. And that's well within her rights to do so. But to act like they were digging into his... Fi- no. 
girl. Yeah. That's but, not what happened. But this is giving Lisa the opportunity to be indignant against everybody else because she and her commercial goes, these women should be ashamed of themselves. Every single one of them. <laughs> ashamed. Okay. I I can't even be mad. Like it's just like she's so like she does it so funny that it's like you're so wrong in taking this the wrong way and villainizing these people that just wanted to help you. But God, you're at least you're funny about it. I, I'm glad that she just enjoys her delusion. Yeah, but then Jody tells her, you know, I'm going through a ton myself, right? Like building a new business and like taking on everything. You know, every time there's like some new media article or some fight with Lenny and uh, Lisa's like, yeah, even when you're named in it, even when you're not involved. And she's like, and he's like, that's not really the, even the stresses though. Like I do like if you would like check in on me a little bit more. Cause like, it's a lot right now. And I do think like, sh- like I, here's the thing. I think, this was the conversation that the women were trying to stop from happening, but I, it doesn't mean that it's bad that it happened necessarily. Right. Like, I think they were trying to get her to get ahead of it. Right. But like, he has this conversation and I do think Lisa takes it better than yeah. she would. Like if the women like were, I mean, we're doing it. Lisa's like, Jody's very good at communicating. I always wanted to communicate, but I always got beat down so hard that I lost that and became a robot. And that is true. Like, I do think, like, you can see it even on, like, original, like, seasons, like, two or three when Lisa came on. She always has had to want, wanted a more communicative relationship with Lenny. She mm-hmm. wanted to have sort of this, like, building of... I, he, you could argue that that was kind of a poor expectation of her in terms of the way they got together. I think there was a power imbalance sure. yeah. like, and an expectation where it's like, you're not, it's not an emotional relationship. Like but you like you is. can, you can have an emotional relationship if there's a power imbalance. You can, you can have that. You can, but Lenny never wanted that. No. Lenny's wanted a, a pretty thing that he can trot around and right. say like, you know, this is my wife. Right. You know? And so, but I get that, like, Lenny beat that out of her, and she did have – I do agree that she did have to condition herself in a way to just sort of accept everything and not question things yeah. and just, like, move as Lenny wanted her to move. Um, so I'm and, – and she seems open to Len, to what Jody is saying. She says, I'm not perfect. You know, sometimes you got to be told. I want to do better, and I'm going to do better. And I'm like, good. Like, she's yeah clear as to what – and I think, like – it, it it tells me that she really does care about Jody and not just that she wants like this like moving on from like the Lenny stuff that it's not just sort of like this transitional relationship in her mind because if right. it was she might get more defensive in terms of this she wants to make this work and so therefore she you know mm-hmm. I, as much as she doesn't I, we'll get to it later where she doesn't kind of doesn't understand how to emote caring about someone else I do think she I do think she actually cares about him yes I think she doesn't know how to express that yeah um yeah and so Lisa apologizes to him for making him feel neglected and he's he you could tell he's even like no it's like you don't even need to apologize but it's like you know yeah like he I actually like them together I've concluded I I like him I think that he might, in the long term, this might be bad for him. Maybe. I mean, he's getting dragged into a lot of shit. Yeah. Because, like, Lenny's accusing him of planning devices and, mm-hmm. like, dragging his business. And, like, dude, like it's, it is a task dealing with that motherfucker. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, we then go to Nicole and she's in the kitchen. Uh, and as her mom comes over, um, they end up talking about the conversation that Nicole had with her dad that we saw in the last episode. And it's like, Jesus, like, you know, <laughs> everything that came from that. Nicole's like, it didn't even like face him that he dropped this like bomb on me. Like he just, uh, it, it was just like another day for him. Basically. It's yeah. like, that is fucked up. And like, and yeah, Nicole asks uh, her mom, "You like you had no idea about like the two kids?" And she goes, "I knew of one," which is crazier to me. That like even like, and you were kind of like, "Oh, why wouldn't you tell her about even the like, kids that you did know?" She about? said it wasn't her place, but I'm like, "Bitch, your loyalty is to your daughter, not your ex husband." Yeah, fuck him. Tell your daughter she has siblings that she doesn't know about. Right. I mean, but also the fact that like. Again, like she, the fact that she only knew of one of the two. I mean, and that's only the two that we know of, right? Right. Like, so I, part of me, like, I agree with what you're saying, but I also think, like, when you're in a place, it could be two, it could be one, it could be two, it could be five more that I don't know about. Like, he may not even know of how many kids he's right. got. So it's like, I also understand, like, even, like, this could go on forever, right? In terms of that. Yeah. And so, like, I understand, like, maybe just, like, leaving it all out, out and not mentioning it. You know, you probably won't see these people as long as, like, like to me, like, unless they're, they're people that you may run in, into a close enough encounter to where it's, like, God forbid, like, you get into a relationship with a person. But, like, there's no, I don't need to know about these people in my mind. But that's me. But... I think from Nicole's point of view, it's I have a right sure. to pursue a relationship with my siblings if that is something that I want and that they want. But we can't do that unless we are informed of each other's existence. Yeah, that's true. And by not telling me, you are taking the choice out of my hands and you are making that decision for me. Yeah. And that's not fair. But she's still, so she's still, like, very calm about it, though, even, like, as, like, crazy as it was. They go to her confessional, and the producer asks, why aren't you more bothered? And she just goes, I spent a lot of money on therapy. <laughs> Good for her, though. She's like, if this was a few years ago, I would have probably told him to fuck off. Yeah. And that, But that also makes me feel really sad for Nicole, also in ways, knowing that he's recently passed. Yeah. Because it's... I I get it. I hope she feels content about the relationship with her father at the end of the day. Yeah. If only the fact that it's like, yeah, I put up with it for like a year or so. And yeah, I stifled my feelings on certain things and I like put it in, you know, because I was just like, I got to move for, I can't hold this. I got to, you know, whatever. I hope she doesn't in turn, like, because she didn't like express it that she doesn't now feel guilt. I th I hope she, I hope it makes her feel solace and not guilt for not being as angry as she had every fucking right to be. Sure, but to be fair though, what she's saying is that because of the therapy, she doesn't feel that anymore. It's not that she's suppressing anger at him. Okay, it's that she's just not angry at him because she's been able to just let that go because it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. So she's not. It's not so much that that she's stifling or hiding or masking anger, like pressing it down, putting it in a box and not dealing with it. Right. It's that she's going, okay, well, like maybe I feel a little bit of anger, but like, I don't 
feel like that's really the important part here. Yeah, and it's not really. Like the anger is off over there and it's not even the important thing right now. I can maybe deal with the the anger later or I can handle it, you know, very quickly and move on from it. Right. I think she's more approaching it from a well, does the anger help me right now? No. Is it ever going to help me? No. Okay, I'm acknowledging it. I'm letting it go. I'm moving on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I just hope, I hope that's the case. I hope that's what yeah. it is because, you know, um, and then she says that she's taking her DNA, like she's doing a swab of her DNA to send one of those places Good. where people can match their DNA with other people to just, she matches with everyone in Miami Dade County. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, oh God. Okay. So this, then we go to this scene with Gertie and Russell taking the kids to go bowling and oh my god, this fucking scene tore me up. Like, I literally was sobbing. It, it was, I oh, uh, it, yeah. So she basically sort of like they, it's it's a fun scene where they're bowling and sort of. And Gertie talks about even like with last year before the cancer diagnosis, she like made such a point of having more moments with the family and sort of like leaving work, you know, on the back burner a little right. bit to you know not lose those moments. Um, and so she's sitting down with the, with the boys and Russell and she sort of, sort of talks about like why, you know, the fact that Russell told them and why she couldn't tell them and sort of that it was just an emotional place for her. I thought the way she relayed this was very open and honest to them. I think telling them like, you know, and, but also like, you know, I'm getting a surgery. They're going to analyze it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's just, it's always a, it's a difficult conversation to have anytime because it's yeah. just like, it's never, it's never going to go like, it can only go fine. Like it can never yeah. go like amazing. Um, but it was a lot. You could tell her oldest is very like. He's very much dissociating. Yeah, very much. And I couldn't, and I couldn't tell if part of it was also the cameras. Because I, it's one. I mean, I, I and it would be normal to disassociate from that just in regular life, even without the cameras. When you're that young. right, I mean, he was a he's about my age when I found out my dad had cancer, and so like it's, yeah, it's like you kind of just are like, well, this is the situation, and you kind of th- there is a period where you just kind of have to sort of like not think about it all the time, right, and just like move on with well, your life. But you also have talked about to me how you kind of put your feelings aside because your mom had so much to deal with at that time and you didn't want to be a bigger burden on her by being in your feelings about it. Yeah. And we had like, like my dad, so my dad was diagnosed in like January 2007 and then died in June. So it was like, and he had pancreatic cancer. So it's for anyone who knows, like people who have had it, it's like a very quick, like it, it can go by very quickly. Um, but it was like, it was just like, we had school and we had like, you know, he would go, me and my, him and my mom would go to MD Anderson in Houston and we would just have school and focus and we would spend time together, obviously still and all that stuff. But it was just like, you know, you just have to like. Like, I feel like a lot of the time in between was a blur in many ways because it's like you just kind of can't think about it. Like, right. it, can't, it can't consume your daily life when you're a child. Like, you, right. it, it just can't. Um, I hope that, that you were 
because I know you were noting that, like, I hope that they are also he needs, making making it known to him. You can tell us exactly how you're feeling, right? At, at the very least, the oldest one, because I feel like the younger one is maybe processing a little bit better. He seems to like accept it, and maybe maybe he's not fully grasping the gravity at his age, right? And so I feel like because of that, he saved some of the trauma. But the older child seems very much to have been hit square in the chest with this trauma. Right. And I really hope he's in therapy. Oh, because I, yeah. he he absolutely is going to need to talk through this with someone that yeah. is not his parents. Yeah. And I think like... I we were also discussing we were wondering if it's also a thing of like cuz we one of the things about like Gertie and Russell is how disparate they are in personality. Right. Like Gertie is so like outwardly emotional all the time like she's very much like anytime she's feeling something she expresses it and Russell is very much more reserved. Yes. And like sort of like not always talking all the time. And so I wonder if that's also part of it like you know, not to say that like Russell is not uh, is not allowing his child to like sort of right. express things, but more that there is sort of a learned behavior of like right. you know, you don't always have to say everything all the time, right? And yeah, I but you could just tell it's a lot on him, and and yeah, yeah, like like I was saying, like it's it's never an easy conversation to have. I I give Gertie the credit for also showcasing that conversation, right? And showcasing how to do it in the best way possible, and like you know. I think it's helpful to a lot of people. Um, and, I, and I think, like, again, like, not to get too deep into it, but it's like, I think, like, with reality television, I think it's also important to have these moments as well because, like, I think it, my hope is that, like, people can see who have never experienced something like that, what that looks like. To me, like, as someone who has experienced it, it looked exactly like that scene. Yeah. Like, you can visualize it in certain ways. Like, I always say it all the time. Like one of the things I, I think is one of the most powerful scenes in all of housewives. And we, when it happened, like we cried for like 20 minutes watching it was the scene where Vicky finds out her mom died on. Oh my God. And that, that scene resonate. I can't watch it anymore, but like that scene resonates with me so much only because I know what that looks like. Right. And it's like, it's so accurate because it is accurate because it's really happening, but it's like, it's. In, I think it's important for other people to see what that looks like in certain ways. Yeah. Well, and I, I think the thing that made it so gut-wrenching for Vicky is that this is in the middle of a happy event, right? right, right. They're, they're doing the, you know, they're at this party, they're all this stuff. And then all of a sudden you hear these gut-wrenching sobs, screams, not even sobs coming from the pantry. Yeah. And also the the dread of it, I think, was what resonated with me the most. Yeah. Like, not to get too... Again, I'm not trying to, like... Again, it's like... It feels like my therapy session right now. Like, not to get too deep into it, but it's like when my dad died, because he was on, like, hospice for, like, a, I think, like, a week or so, like, right before. Like, and a lot of it was, like, having extra family members, like, take me and my brother out to do, like, go to, like, a pool or go... Like, yep. just to distract us. Yeah. I remember point. that. when my When my grandfather died when I was a little kid... We pretty much lived in the hospital, and so, like, I, I remember that when we would have cousins come in to visit, and then they would take me over and do this other thing over here. Yeah. Because I was, like, six. Right. And so my mom and my grandmother didn't need to be looking after me. They needed to be taking 
those last moments. Yeah. And so like my aunt took me to this like thing or whatever. I forgot even what it was. It was at somebody else's house. But then like I saw like her getting the call from my mom being like, you need to bring them over. Yeah. And so like you, but I, and I knew what, even, even though no one told me, I knew what was happening. Right. And so it's like, you just feel that dread just like overcome you. And it's like, that resonated with me in the Vicky scene a lot for, even though it was like a, like the, um, the setting in. Yeah. More from everyone else too. Like, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot. Um, anyways, more, <laughs> let's move on to lighter stuff. My God, that was a, that was a trip. Um, we think, oh man, we then go to Alexia, um, visiting Todd at his workplace. Of course, this is of course Todd's work. When she comes into the room and it's just like six white bros, just like man spreading and just like clear- it looked like a Getty Images thing, like a stock photo, yeah, of a corporate meeting. It's so it was so stereotypical to me. It's like, what is this? Who staged this like J Crew bullshit? Yeah, I I, I find Alexia and Todd's chemistry odd wanting and well i was gonna say non-existent um she's like can i sit over here and todd goes i mean yeah do you want to like sit on my lap and she goes Haha, i don't think that's appropriate um and it's like awkward. it's like she doesn't really like sort of laugh it's one of those just like haha like la- like i am laughing uh-huh, at your funny joke laugh yeah exactly like i'm laughing at your joke like sort of you know even though i'm uncomfortable um, Alexia says that she's going to see apartments, uh, after this. And she's like, you know, I came back from my girl's trip and they were like, you know, you have to move out in a couple weeks. And then Todd goes, well, you got bad information from the realtor because I knew the apartment was being sold on the 15th, but I knew we had a lease until the end of the month, but he just told, thought, you know, we'd be willing to leave sooner. This felt again, I don't know if I believe the rumor that Anna is spreading, but this scene with, with Alexia and Todd felt so PR like, and so like it felt a little like the Juan Robin scene on Potomac where oh, like, yeah. like, okay, we know what you're trying to set up. It also makes me think I had a theory that not to jump too far ahead, that Alexia knew what that Anna might've been coming to that party. She seemed a little too ready to, like, pounce on it. Yeah. It seems like all of these things seem to be happening and all at once, and it seems a little orchestrated. Or like, she- why is Anna coming to this party right now at the same time that Alexia is moving out of her, at the same time that, you know, like, yeah. you know? And maybe she didn't know she was coming to the party, but she knew maybe that Anna was, like, being very active in terms of, like, spreading mm-hmm. stuff. And, like, I th- I get that sense because I do feel like this scene is very set up to sort of, like, cover their bases. So, yeah, I'm wondering about that. Um, but like to say her, him being like, you know, yeah, we really only had to the end of the month. We didn't have 15 days. And Alexia knows her confessional goes 15 days, 30 days. I mean, it's still in the same month. Like, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. People were like, no, that makes a huge difference. That's double the amount of time. It's like, that's still only a month. Yeah. Like it's not a lot of time. But she's also like, we don't have a place to move to yet. Yeah. So... That's a problem. <laughs> she uh, Todd goes, you're going to find a great apartment. You know, really big. Alexia goes, is there a price point? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> Alexia goes, are you going to tell me about it? <laughs> <laughs> it's so awkward. Like, yeah. 
Um, Alexia goes, you're so calm about it. Like, oh, it's nothing. Like, aren't you like stressed out? Todd goes, no, because I don't have to do anything. And she said, well, at least you acknowledge it. <laughs> Girl, like, I don't, I love, I don't know what happened. I really liked Todd the first season that he was with Alexia. And like, now I just like, I get the skeeves from him. Like, I don't. Ever since that video. Yeah, that video did a lot of damage. <laughs> Not great. We then see Larsa, and she's going to get lunch with Lisa. <laughs> there, I noted to you, there's something about Larsa. She walks in and being like, hi, I have a party uh, party for Lisa Hochstein. And they're like, right over there, ma'am. She walks like she's a sim. <laughs> like she's, it's very just like turn, point forward, just like static walk, like looking off into the distance. Like, I mean, she is very much, very much a robot. Yeah. Oh my, so they sit down and then you noted to me, this fucking waiter, fucking James Charles comes to the table. (laughs) Like not even James Charles, because this waiter walks up full beat, right? Like he knew Real Housewives of Miami are filming today. I'm going to be the waiter. He also looked rested. (laughs) He looked plucked, parotted, beat. And then he walked in and goes... Hi, can I take your order? And I'm like, Mickey Mouse, what are you doing here? He goes, hi, hello, ladies. How are we doing tonight? <laughs> like, what, what's the, the, I felt like Tyra Banks, get the fact off the TV. I'm not watching that. <laughs> <laughs> and we can say that. <laughs> yeah, because we have gay friends. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but like no, and it was okay. I, again, I'm not to you. Just something about Miami. I critique the plastic surgery all the time. He clearly had like fillers or like some like yeah. sort of like you know injectable whatever. He had. He clearly also was wearing that like airbrushing makeup. Yeah, but because his face looked photoshopped when the rest of the room around him did not. But put some of it in the top lip too. He had like a very like <laughs> he had like a a villainous. What is it? Villainously thin. Uh-huh. Top lip. And but like the bottom lip clearly had injection. It was like what you skipped that part? Like what? It it looked and it was and it, but it was glossy and it had like, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to this man who we're just dragging on this podcast. <laughs> oh God. Um so Lisa basically she gives an update on her confessional that the motion that Lenny filed to try to get like full custody and all that stuff is on she it's it's basically on hold. She says like it's been filed but they're not moving forward. It's like in a stagnant place. But I'm Yeah, not, it was de- it was there to scare her. Yeah. And but she's like I'm going to file a thing that basically will force them to retract it or whatever. So, yeah. Uh Lisa's talking about, you know, leaning on Jody a lot. And says that, you know, a lot of part of that is, like, losing all of Lenny's family, who I would normally be the ones to lean on. We don't get a lot of... T- I will say we don't... I, I, unless I've missed Lisa talking about it. We don't hear a lot about Lisa's family and sort of, like, her side of the family. I don't yeah. think I, I remember her family even on the show that much. I don't know if there's, like, a distant relationship there. Mm. Um, but that could make... I mean, that also makes sense why it's more difficult for her. Especially with his mom, who was seemingly on her side with things. Yeah. And then turned her back on her last season. It's a big jab. Yeah. Larsa goes, the same thing happened with my ex. I was best friends with his sister. She used to live with us. I miss being able to call her. I don't want to cry. And then, like, touches her face. But there's no tears. (laughs) She's not crying. There are no tears. (laughs) Sims don't cry. No. She goes, 
It's just weird because, like, my family was, like, not mean to him, and his family was, like, so resentful. You went on to marry Michael Jordan, or not marry, date Michael Jordan's son. You're sh- and maybe something happened before that. I don't know. You're shocked that the Scottie Pippen family was, like, not, like, accepting of you? Again, there's something you're not talking about. Yeah. There's some, like, something. I don't believe you just hooked up with Marcus just because. To me, that seems like some, like, they've, at the very, to give her the biggest benefit of the doubt, they fucked with you to a certain extent, and then you got back at them by getting with Marcus. Yeah, there's something we're not seeing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Um, Lisa, then, uh, her, Lisa's phone goes up, but it's like a big, like, what was this phone the, where it's like it was like a bl- blasting like light like it was like the whole phone just like lit up and Larsa goes I thought we were about to get electrocuted <laughs> <laughs> well when you have like an alarm go off you can have it set up to where it flashes your the flashlight oh on the back well it's for people who are deaf who maybe have oh. their phone across the room but it like it's a makes it more obvious when your phone goes off because if it's just on vibrate you may miss it or whatever. The you know more what I mean? You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lisa, uh, it's like, yeah, I set a reminder on my phone to check in on Jody, you know, make sure he's feeling okay. Larsa goes, why? <laughs> I love Larsa, like, not understanding, like, the instinct to, like, be, to check in on your partner. And see, it was so weird because she was on opposite ends of the spectrum yes. with this. She did this. It's like, why do you need to check in on Jody? And then she, and then Lisa calls Jody to check in and says, Hey, I just had the alarm that I set up on my phone to just, check in on you. And Lars is like, Don't tell him you set a reminder. Like, what? So you don't think that you should check in on your boyfriend, but when you do, don't tell him you needed an alarm to tell you to do so. Right. But also, it's, it's also the, the separate ends of like Lisa and Larsa. Lisa yeah. is emotionally available but overdoes it and and doesn't yeah. know how to like sort of like just like do it naturally and larsa has no interest in doing it whatsoever <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's so great um and then she goes okay i love you i'll check on you again at 8 30 it's like again don't tell him you have it like and i love she's like so when she does she's just like do you have anything you want to talk to me about <laughs> and he's like no, not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> She's trying. Yeah. It's sweet ish, even though it's a little dumb. <laughs> it's a, look, here's the thing. She at least knew enough to know I'm going to forget to check in. And right. I made a promise and I'm going to keep it. I'm going to be better to him than I have been. And so she's trying. And I will always commend someone for earnestly trying. Right. That is all she's doing. It just reminded me. Remember on Vanderpump how Sheena had like that checklist to like, like every day with Brock, I'm going to kiss him. I'm going to uh-huh. whatever. Like it's that vibe where it's like. Very much that. Yes, you are like, care, like you, you care enough. Like you are sort of like. Well, but I don't know if that's where that was coming from with Sheena. Hers is more like. Get it. Sheena's was. This is the list of how to be a perfect couple. So we will be a perfect couple, goddammit. Yeah. As opposed to Lisa was like, oh, I'm lacking in this area. I need to be better. Let me set a reminder to make sure I'm better. Right. To me, like, I'm always going to, like, reward that effort. Sure. I agree. 
Like, uh, at least you have the instinct. She's clunky when she's doing it, but she's doing it, goddammit. We then see Nicole arriving for her Mother's Day luncheon uh, as they're getting everything set up. They have denim jackets with, like, people's names embroidered on it. Uh, She got a poet with, like, a typewriter to, like, write poetry, like, mid. Which, when the fight was happening, did you notice he's typing? So, like, he's typing something. (laughs) Oh, I hope we get that poetry next episode. Um. Lisa is picking up Larsa to go to the luncheon and she drives up in like this fucking, what was it? Like a Honda, like something. It was a Honda fit. And she's Larsa goes, what the fuck? Whose car is this? Lisa goes, it's my housekeeper's car. I wanted to try it out. They were saying I should get a car like this. So like going to be like shady being like, Oh, I'm going to drive up in this car to shade them. It is kind of fucked up that like, and it's kind of fucked up for your housekeeper. You stole like, your housekeeper's car. Well, that, yeah, that part. Don't get me wrong, but you not only that, you stole the housekeeper's car to mock them about like, look, guys, I'm driving a poor car. Also, like this is a nice car. Like it's not a nice car, but it's a nice car. Yeah, it's a perfectly good car. It was like at least like a 2019. Yeah, yeah. It's not like that. It's not like a. It's. I like, didn't have any dings. No bird poop. Nothing. No. Um, she says her confessional, I'm coming in with a 75% positive attitude and a 25% negative attitude. <laughs> just saying, I, to say that you're coming in at all with a negative attitude is just so funny to me. Yeah. At least, at least she's aware. Look, she's trying. She's clunky, but she's trying. She's like, everyone is going to see F-A-F-O. Fuck around and find out. <laughs> like, like, we, we know. Yeah. We, we got it. And then I was so worried with this because she's dry. And then this guy steps in like the frame and I thought she was going to like run him over. I really, it made it seem like it, but no, he's just like guiding this like school bus out to get Mm -hmm. her to stop. And she just goes, Oh my God. Like I thought I was going to get in trouble for driving this car. Why? No, ma'am. Uh, this, uh, car is too low in your tax bracket. You're not legally allowed (laughs) to drive this. This car is too poor. (laughs) This is Miami. Um, (laughs) Uh, guests then start arriving. Kiki, uh, Nicole's showing Kiki like the play settings and all that stuff. And Kiki's like, who's Anna? And then Nicole goes, Anna Quinones. Kiki goes, oh shit. Nicole, doesn't she have issues with like a couple of the girls? Nicole goes, nobody's told me that they have issues. I mean, even when we were in New York, Andy was like, does anyone still talk to any of the girls? And they show the clip where Alexia does say when it comes up, like, when like that because nicole's like yeah they reached out to me to like you know prep me for like the reunion or uh, anna and leah brat leah black like prep me for the reunion and alexia goes i mean like i'm not scared or anything like so she's not explicitly saying i f- i don't fuck with anna or fuck anna but you can kind of read into what alexia is saying well but she may not have heard that and that and even if she didn't hear it at the time, may not have remembered it later. Yeah. My question, though, is Nicole keep, Nicole definitely maintains that, like, this was years. I never, like, I never even met Anna until, like, a year ago. I didn't know about this dynamic. Basically, like, I'm a new housewife in this, like, new reboot. So I don't know all this, like, pre-existing stuff. Not to mention the fact that Nicole <laughs> literally practices medicine and all the time that she's not on screen. But, like, Kiki knows. What does Kiki do professionally? Models. I mean, she like, but yeah. Oh, like fine enough with the doctors. When she's, she was like, I don't listen to podcasts or like fine, I guess. Maybe you don't know the specifics, but I just don't, I don't know. 
I feel like if Kiki could, was able to spot, like, this seems odd. Kiki is a moth to flame when it comes to tea, and you know that. Sure. And she's like, and, Nicole doesn't give a shit. And I will say, maybe Kiki, I'll get to give Kiki the benefit of the doubt, or, or Nicole the benefit of the doubt. Kiki is closer to Alexia and Marisol. Yeah. Like, like is, and Nicole is just getting good with Marisol, so. Right. So she maybe not, would not have heard about that yet. Yeah. Uh, Alexia and Marisol then arrive. It's like big dramatic music build up. They walk in, they say hi to everyone. And then as soon as Alexia looks down at the place card, they play like horror movie music, like the, like the, like the sound of like a knife sharpening or whatever. And Alexia is just like, who's Anna? And, uh, Adriana, or, uh, Nicole goes, Adriana's bringing Anna, you know, Anna Quinones. And Alexia goes, you guys are something else. Like, this is bullshit. Like, this is a fucking setup. Like, f- loses it. Alexia goes, since when is she your be- new best friend? And Nicole goes, I mean, we've been friends. But, like, Adriana wanted to bring her. And I said, why not? I will say also, if she's saying, like, if if Nicole is saying, I'm, fr- I'm newer friends with her. Like, I've been friends with her for, like, a year or whatever. I don't believe Anna didn't tell her stuff. I don't believe Anna didn't gossip about Alexia and Marisol to her. Right. I'm sure the same shit she was saying to Adriana, she was unpromptedly saying to Nicole, not saying Nicole was like trying to pry for it, but like Anna seems like the type of person to, if she has an in with like people in this group or whatever, she's going to talk shit about Alexia Marisol. But I also think that she's going to pick and choose who she's going to say that to. Right. But like, why would she not? Why would she not? pick and choose and make sure that the people that she's saying that to are people that are already sympathetic to to hearing that. I think she, but I, wouldn't Nicole be that person? No, not in, necessarily. In the sense that like Marisol and her were feuding for the last two years, right? Sure, but Nicole is the kind of person that is not necessarily she's not about like she does throw shade for for sure, but she's not the kind of person to like dig up dirt no, and that I, sort of thing. I don't think that, but and I don't think she was digging with Anna. I actually don't think she had ne- any negative intentions with Anna. I just think that if she was in a convers, if she had had like conversations with Anna, Anna being the type of again, if she's like a Kim D, right? Kim D will chalk shit about Teresa or. Who or Melissa or whoever, just like you know, anyone who would fucking listen with sure, the right ear. Sure, but that's not going to ingratiate her with Nicole. It's going to ingratiate her with Adriana, but it's not going to help with Nicole. Nicole doesn't deal with rumors and conjecture. She deals with fact. Probably, I don't think it, I don't, but maybe not enough to cut off a person. Again, when she says I'm friends with, I don't know what she means by friends. I think she means like i talk to everyone so i don't think they're close friends but it's like it's i don't know i don't think she would i don't think she would take anything with the information i don't think she would do anything but i don't i think it i just think it i don't know if i fully believe she didn't understand the scope of it i think she thought here's the thing maybe she didn't understand maybe she maybe she didn't understand the scope like in terms of I know they have issues. I know probably they're going to fight at this brunch, but it's going to be like housewives fighting. Like it's not going to be, it's going to be like a little like passive aggressive in the beginning. 
and then maybe it'll heat up a little bit and then whatever. I don't think she thought it was going to be so intense where Alexia and Marisol were like, fuck no, I'm not going to be in the same room with that fucking bitch. But that is how Alexia and Marisol are with anybody. The thing is, is that Alexia and Marisol either fuck with you or they don't. Yeah. So, and Nicole knows that. And if she were to try to... The thing is, is that you can't make the argument that Nicole knew any anything and then also say Nicole isn't lying. And Nicole doesn't seem, to me, like the person who would sit here and lie about how much she knew. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't view Nicole as a liar. That is, the, that is true. Like, it does feel, like, strange in that regard. I just, I don't know. I just... Mm. So, in order for me to to reconcile that, I cannot then accept that Nicole knew anything going into this other than she has maybe crossed paths with Anna once or twice through Adriana. Adriana is friends with her, and that's really all she knows. Okay. And that's what Nicole is saying. Sure. Don't, and, and don't get me wrong. Adriana is the worst offender in this. Oh, Adriana did this on purpose. Oh, 1,000%. Like, I thought, I think at the worst, Nicole thought it would be fine, but that it wouldn't be that serious. I don't think she had, like, I, I cannot believe that Nicole had malice in terms of what she was doing. Right. But, you know, um, Marisol, or the producer asked Marisol in her confessional, who is Anna? And Marisol goes, I told you, I don't know her, like going full Mariah Carey. But then Marisol goes, I just know that she doesn't have any good feelings for any of us here because she doesn't even like herself. <laughs> Which, okay. <clears throat> it, yeah. Nicole goes, can someone explain to me the problem with Anna? And Alexia goes, Nicole, you know, don't act. Nicole goes, you never told me. Alexia goes, I don't need to tell you. Marisol, you need to speak up for yourself because I'm defending Marisol. This also, like, this is why I think Alexia kind of knew going in was that she says like five or six times. I mean, it's it's Marisol's issue. It's not my issue. It's not, I'm just defending Marisol. It's not like I have issue with, with Anna in that regard that she's attacked me. It's not anything about me. It's about Marisol. She like repeats it over and over again. Yeah. Uh, unprompted. And it's like, it makes it seem like she's trying to hide the, the, the finance rumors about her and Todd. Maybe. I also feel like it's in response to both this season and in Thailand, Marisol has called her out for not standing up for her. She does say a couple of times too, like, look, Marisol, I'm defending you this time. She does. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe she's using Marisol as an excuse. Like she's, or she's using the situation as an excuse to check off on a list of, see, look, I'm defending you, Marisol, even though in behind the scenes, she's going, yeah, fuck that shit. She knows shit. I don't want her here. Yeah. Marisol goes, she said, I look like a dead person. She wants me to die. And then they cut to the clip from the podcast where not only Anna, but Anna's daughter was also on the podcast. Yeah. And her daughter goes about Marisol. We call her the rotting corpse. Not only because she literally looks like a rotting corpse, but she's truly to her core rotting. And it's like, Jesus. Like, holy fuck. Yeah, I don't want her at this party either. That's awful. Yeah, that's a lot. Alexia goes, on Mother's Day, you're doing something like this? It's really pathetic, honestly. Nicole goes, how would I have known this? Like, it's, yeah. Alexia says that Nicole, she thinks that basically, she says her confessional, she thinks Nicole is basically wanting to give Marisol a taste of her own medicine. That she mm. feels like 
which I think if Nicole was a different person could be the case, right? She's, I think Alexia is projecting on like housewives, right? More right. than Nicole of like, Nicole is like one of the least housewives housewives. Right. Like I'm going to ingratiate with you and then I'm going to like, you know, do this like big switcheroo on you right. where I make you look like an idiot because you've been embarrassing me for two years. Right. Yeah. I think that's, you know, that's not out of the realm of housewives. Nicole goes, I think you guys are crazy. And Alexia goes, no, you're the crazy one because you know what you're doing. And Nicole's like, I gave everyone a plus one. And like, you made a good point where it's like, okay, the one thing I will say to Nicole is like, okay, at this point you need to call Adriana and be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Because if I'm Nicole and I find out that Adriana's plus one that I approved, not knowing all of this shit is going to cause all these problems, and I'm trying to get in good with Alexia and Marisol, then I'm telling Alexia and Marisol, all right, give me a second. Let me call Adriana. Yeah. And if you acknowledge that, like, when Marisol's relaying why she hates Anna so much and what Anna has said about her, like, if you know that that's fucked up, then at that point, you have the knowledge, right? It doesn't right. matter if you didn't have the knowledge beforehand. Right. Like, I would have taken the incentive to be like, hey, like, I can't have Anna. Yeah. I'm sure Adriana's ass would still bring her anyways. <laughs> I guarantee you that's what would have happened. But, like, I, I... I would have literally called her in front of of uh, Alexia and Marisol yeah. and talked to her and said, hey... Did did you know that Anna and uh, Alexia and Marisol are not on good terms? Right. Uh, okay. Well, Anna cannot be here. Yeah. She will not be allowed into this event. <laughs> I will have security at the fucking door. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I agree. She should have taken that incentive. Alexia then goes, first of all, stop screaming. <laughs> and then Nicole goes, you're screaming at me. Uh, Alexia was literally the one screaming. Yeah, it was like, what is Alexia talking about? <laughs> Nicole wasn't even matching her energy yet. Yeah, they cut, and oh my god, the the bar, the, this lady bartender that they cut to with her mouth wide yeah. agape as they're finally going, oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> bitch knew what show she was going to be on, and she came prepared. <laughs> yeah, Marisol goes. She said, "My poor husband's gay," and Nicole goes, "He's not." gay <laughs> Marisol goes of course he's not but she's demonic and horrible and I'm going to sit across from her and have lunch <laughs> like, I get it though like sure. I'm not absolutely not you call me a rotting corpse yeah Alexia goes look you need to understand Adriana and Anna have never been friends it's just basically like it's just a matter of convenience that they're sort of you know now mm -hmm. aligned Julia, the look on Julia's face as this whole fight is happening, though, and she's literally like, in her, she's in a professional basically being like, now I'm like, see, from seeing the nameplate to seeing this argument to thinking back to the, 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 when Adriana was in the truck with me, I'm like, fuck Adriana. <laughs> not fuck Adriana, but she's like, Adriana, you, this is not, okay. You're oh, if I'm Julia, I'm, ran, I'm ratting her ass out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I'm Julia, I'm like, actually, Adriana told me the other day that Anna is, has like information, dirt on you, Alexia. And that's why she's bringing her to this event. It, I guarantee you. Even for my own, like, that's the thing. Like Julia is going to get dragged into this. Right. Simply so you might as well get yourself out of the way 
by throwing Adriana under the bus that she ordered. Adriana ordered this bus, so she better be on the ground waiting for it to get there. Yeah. Marisol's like halfway out of the door being like, I'm not having, you expect me to have lunch with her? I'm not having lunch with her. And then Alexia fucking grabs the denim jacket that's on the rack and goes, thank you for the jacket, but I don't appreciate this and walks out with Marisol. Bitch said, I'm getting my party favor. That was iconic. That was as iconic. I will say this. That was as iconic as the Amex card with Nicole last season. Honestly. It was really a great power move. And they just storm off into the elevators and Nicole just goes, okay, well, that worked out well. Um, <laughs> and we're left on this cliffhanger and we're going to see the second half of this uh, luncheon. Oh, Lord. Next episode. Yeah, really, really great stuff for Miami. Loving what they're bringing to the table. All right, let's get into these tops and bottoms. we got a lot of stuff we can take from. We've got our three movies at the top of the show from Barbie, Family Switch, and Violent Night. We've got House of Villains. We've got Ultimate Girls Trip Roni Legacy. And we have Real Housewives of Miami. What you thinking, babe? Uh, I'll start with my bottom. I'm going to give it to... Uh, I'm going to give it the fair play on uh, House of Villains. Only be, that last speech kind of cemented it for me where it's just like, dude, like you're taking this way too seriously. Yeah. Um, I, I, only because I think it kind of exposed maybe the like the under like the underbelly that like he might not be the best sort of in that villain role that we would normally expect. And sort of like I think he's gotten a reputation because of big moments that hasn't really panned out into sort yeah. of like a large scale um performance on a show um he may have been more boring than even like an Amphisa and a shake in certain regards during the yeah, season honestly and so yeah that's for me i think where i kind of stand with fair play uh plus the fashion sense is just atrocious sure um for my top i'm gonna give it to gertie over my on miami because mm. i really think what she has been showcasing with her cancer journey and sort of everything that she's been putting on display has been really powerful and like i said before really helpful to people i think that she um has just really been a great commendable uh representation of how to go through this disease in a way that's really um just powerful and like i really think that she is like i said helping so many people with what she's doing and is proving to be a great mother and a great wife and just like you know, really, really bringing it this season. This is really becoming her season in Miami in many ways. Um, yeah. So what about you, babe? What are your tops and bottoms? Um, my bottom is going to go to Kelly Ben Simone. Oh, um, look, um, I understand because like you guys may not know, but we pause and discuss what our tops and bottoms are going to be <laughs> before we actually record this segment. You know, a little peek behind the curtain. And I told Eamon I was going to pick Belly Kinsimone. Belly (laughs) Kinsimone. Kelly Kinsimone is my my bottom. He was like, I was kind of thinking of her for my top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I get it. From a mess standpoint, yes, absolutely, right? But when I view television, I view my favorites and my least favorites on terms of would I have a human connection with this person? Right. Do I see us like as in between me and that person being able to find common ground? And I don't see that from Kelly because I would eat her off a cliff. Yeah. yeah and yeah. I, I am not necessarily proud of that part of myself, but um, also it's about, 
you know, self-preservation and making sure that um, I'm going to have the best trip. And that means yeeting her off a cliff. I'm just <laughs> saying. Or or maybe like just down the steps to the bungalow. Something. It, either way, I will not be dealing with her on a personal basis. Um, and therefore, she is my bottom for the week. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but my top for the week... Violence is a theme because my top for the week is Santa played by David Harbour from Violent Night. I love that Santa <laughs> is a top on this. Look, great. it's Christmas week, you know, and um, I got to give a shout out to this amazing performance, right? It really was. It, it really, to me, redefined what a Christmas movie can be. It took the camp of Home Alone and made it for strictly adult audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just really enjoyed this magical, violent twist on on a Christmas movie. And it was it it you you've heard me wax poetic on this movie already. Like I just it truly is, I think, one of my favorite holiday movies that has ever been made. Um, I will be watching this yearly until they take it off of streaming um, or however many times it takes me to get through it before Eamon kills me. <laughs> um, but it, it just, it warmed my heart in all the right ways. Uh, and, uh, you know, just, just made me happy for the holidays. And 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 if you if you maybe had a down holiday, go watch that one. Watch all the bad guys get blown to smithereens. Anyway, um, happy holidays to all of our lovely listeners. Goodbye. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And, and we're, we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.